All right. So the last time I was in Philly, it was like in, I'd say, 2005, 2006, somewhere. And I was in a band. We were playing some sort of shitty punk dive venue or something somewhere in Philly. And do you remember what it's called? I do not. And I can okay. guarantee you the building it was in doesn't exist anymore. So, okay. <laughs> But around it was kind of like burned out, kind of like, you know, destroyed buildings and shit. So we got there. It was us and like a couple other bands all showed up. And we drove out from, you know, Central PA. And uh, we were, we got there. And the guy never showed up to open the venue. So it was just a bunch of, you know, people standing out, kind of like punk kids and us and a few other people kind of standing out in the street somewhere in Philly. I don't know Philly well enough to tell you where it was, but it was somewhere in Philly in kind of like a somewhat um, a blighted area. So the, mm -hmm. um, I would guess north. Uh, I yeah, based tell on you. where venues are and based where uh, blight is. Okay, well it was blighted, but the um, so we're there. Um, a lot of people like in the band are kind of like you know they're from like kind of like rural area, and so they're very uncomfortable kind of in a lot of like. Anytime when we're, we're in some sort of enclosed space where there's lots of people around and stuff, so like, so you, but you, you, you as a as a big time city guy was was fine with this. Well, I grew up a, largely in northern New Jersey, like right outside of New York. So like, I I was at least, and I'd been to Philly a whole bunch when I was a kid. So it's like, mm -hmm. or, or a cool teen and stuff. And so like, I was you know at least somewhat uh, you know not not spooked by being in a population center. So anyway. <laughs> So it's nice of you to help them. Yeah, I know. I was there. But like the um, so the guy um, doesn't show up to open the venue and we're standing there and two, th three of us had to pee before we got to the venue. And we stood there for like an hour and a half waiting and we're just oh. dying by the end of it. And yeah. um, we're like, OK, fuck it. We're leaving. We're like, we're, let's get back and drive four hours back to central PA. This sucks. But um and and me and two other guys like well okay in the meantime there's there's kind of an abandoned like there's like an alley over there next to like a burned out building we're just and there's some tall weeds in there we're go you know, run to separate corners and pee really quick in this kind of abandoned lot i really like that like in this moment uh you still obeyed the 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 straight uh the 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 hetero heteronormative code Oh, yeah. Of, of we, we are going to separate corners. Like, yeah. Well, do not worry. Like, I'm not we, we're not going to watch each other. Pick. We were still civilized. OK, <laughs> so we um, so we go and night is falling at this point. Um, and so we're kind of walking down the street that's like littered with like construction debris and stuff and like things that have been kind of burned out and demolitioned halfway. We walk through this kind of hole in a chain link fence into this alley. And uh the um and we're kind of in the weeds and like we all kind of go to our own little corners and start peeing and there's general like oh my god like you know relief noises because one of the great things about the human body is that um when you really have to pee when you do pee your body just yells everything is possible and great like yeah everything it's, fantastic right now it's like it's the best and rush is, is is fantastic um well there's also there's also that feeling of like um, there's also that feeling of like uh, you just like kind of got away with something, yeah. where like if if you're like really holding it and it's like I'm th this is th this is gonna end really badly for me, and then you get you it doesn't really. <laughs> it's like you've seen Gravity. It's like when she pulls herself back up onto land at the end. I feel like if I saw Gravity, I would freak out. 
Oh, it's, it's an incredibly dumb script, but very fun to watch. And also the cinematography by um, Lubezki is like one of like he's just my, my favorite. I mean, it's kind of like cheating to say he's like my favorite cinematographer, but he's just great. And it's like such a a very pretty and fun to watch movie that has an incredibly dumb script. But OK, got it. Regardless, we're peeing in the dark and um, in this in this kind of burned out lot in, with tall weeds in it in Philly. And as my as my eyes are adjusting to light in the in in, in the darkness, um, in in the in the dying twilight, uh, in the gloaming, I um, uh, I I notice that there's stuff strewn around. There's like a um, what looks like a like a bench seat out of a van. <laughs> okay, that's there, and a few other things, um, kind of just general paraphernalia of like well, someone hangs out here and does various substances. And stuff, and it didn't occur to me that this was an alley. This is a lot that was probably used in some form or another because I was young and stupid. And um, so, as we're um, as we're doing this, and kind of going, huh? Well, there's stuff on the ground here. Um, a light kind of kicks on across the the street. Two kind of large gentlemen come out, and who have all the general lookings of being on some sort of substance of some sort. Um, and, and Hey, it, and, in a, in a, no, I mean, I would say like at the moment you are peeing in an alley and like, listen, I, uh, my similar story here, I was not the one peeing, but a friend and I were waiting outside of a really gross Philly venue called the starlight ballroom, which is no longer around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we were going to see Godspeed You Black Emperor, and we had to wait outside for an hour and a half, and he had to pee by some dumpsters. So huh. I, I think, like, in that moment, you judge no one for nothing because you're just so pleased, and you're like, listen, the world needs more acceptance of <laughs> things that aren't that aren't seen as normal, like <laughs> peeing in this alley. Um, so anyway, so these guys come out and um, c- clearly seem to be uh, on some sort of accelerant of some sort. <laughs> and um i like accelerant there accelerant <laughs> it's not the right word i don't know why but you get what i mean it's very no but it's very it's very illustrative yeah some sort of accelerant phenomene and uh they uh, uh it, it would appear just via their 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 manner and how they were talking to us that this was this was an occasion where people would occasionally come to this alley and perhaps trade sex for drugs okay and stuff. It wasn't an alley. It was a lot. Um, so, and we are like, no, sorry, we were just peeing. That that doesn't sound great either. We're and I, I wanted to apologize and say I'm I'm sorry. We peed in your abandoned lot that you're using for business. Or I didn't know what. Like, what do you say in that situation other than <laughs> I'm sorry? I did, wasn't aware of the arrangement that you had going here. <laughs> I feel like I feel like your your first mistake was trying to find the correct thing to say instead of oops. <laughs> Uh, well, so like I'm, um, you know, reasonably streetwise. So I'm trying to be like, oh, it's cool. Sorry. Sorry. We're just, you know, leaving or whatever. One of the guys that we're with is furiously spooked, just very much like I have to get out of here now and stuff. And so I'm trying to be like all cool about it and be like, because um, they're now we're kind of just outside the hole in the chain link fence. And these these two guys are standing like right in front of us. And they're kind of walking at us to kind of back us through the hole mm-hmm. in the fence. And um, I and I was like, I was like, no, OK, we got to go. guys. Come on. Come on, guys. Come on. Don't back up. We got to go. And um, 
uh, and so we kind of turn left and we're kind of like walking and the guys are kind of like follow following us kind of like making just general threatening but kind of low voiced you know various threats and the mm-hmm. uh, threatened specifically to uh, skull fucked me to death wow yeah which that's a horrible way to die I bet uh, you know, I, I feel like it might be quick, but really kind of depends on the technique there. But I, I cannot imagine, I, Scott. I, I cannot imagine it would be very quick. That's true. I, I do. I the, I've had a long time to think about this. I'm just going to try to pretend that it would have been quick. So, um, <laughs> we are walking fast because, and for for some reason, I was like, "Don't run! Don't run! That's just going to show them that you're scared." Which was, I'm like, "They're not. It's not like a bear or <laughs> something. Say, it's like a jaguar. Probably. It's a threat. We're they're, we're supposed to be freaked out. You just like you like made your coat bigger. You're like, if you make your coat bigger, yeah, just start just start yelling. Uh, you know. And, <laughs> When, pe- when people are on like meth, they're just terrified if you start flailing your coat around. It's like no, but like they, they're more scared um, of you than you are of them. Yes, everyone I've ever known who is on amphetamines just freaks out if if they think that uh, if if they they assume that you've grown huge if you inflate your coat. <laughs> if you get someone else behind you and they start yelling, they think, "Wow, they're hu- they're even bigger now." But then, no, um, so. So yeah, so that was the, and then we kind of booked it around the corner and got back into the van and we're like, "Go, go, you got to go now." And so we, we left, and I remember um, afterwards we, we went to some like a, like a Quiznos or something, and <laughs> surrounded by diners, and you go to a Quiznos. Yeah, so like we go to like a, a Quiznos or something. We was it was on the way back. We were mm-hmm. outside of the, of the city or something. Okay. Um, and um, the one guy like ha- gets that kind of really shaken look of that like oh I just realized I almost possibly just got grievously bodily harmed. Mm-hmm. or something and he's like he's like man we almost just died and i'm like i don't know if we would have died i mean like you know those guys uh clearly like we walked into something that we didn't like understand or whatever they they let us walk you know <laughs> kind of you know it was more of a misunderstanding than anything else and yeah i think like the moral here is just don't go pee where you're not sure that you're not peeing on someone's you know premises of I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you here and say completely reasonable moral for listeners to take away as well yeah there you go so like um and uh, and he he was like he's like oh, okay, All right. Well, that that's good. At least that didn't happen. But he he was he was really shaken by the entire thing. Wow. And that was literally the last time I was in Philadelphia. Was um was in two thousand five or two thousand six, whenever. Uh, and no, it would have been two thousand five. And the um, and I was almost backed into an alley and murdered. <laughs> it's it's you guys. Listen, let me just be the first to say I'm glad you weren't murdered. Thanks. I would have been really disappointed. It, uh, it's funny because I'm like, I'm not like, I'm, you know, I am a, uh, I'm, I'm not exactly like the most like, you know, salty guy on earth or whatever. But like th- this kind of stuff isn't like, I'm not like super like uh, pearl clutchy about like meeting someone who's clearly using drugs. I've had a lot of that in my life. It's not something where I'm like, oh yeah, oh my God, he was on drugs. It's like... <laughs> Like, I, yeah, that's not that to like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, well, no, 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 right. I, I mean, like, sort of anything like that. It, it was more the sense of like the, oh, this wasn't a context of some sort here. <laughs> yeah. like, right. Or I've upset the apple cart in a way that I can't explain or uh, apologize for. Uh, th- this is one of those things where it's like, OK, yeah, this is like there's like 15 factors that are going to make this scenario go real bad real quick. And we should probably just zip up and run, essentially. Yep. Um, so. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, felt that I needed to to like to bookend that story with me going. I'm not judging these men. <laughs> 
Well, look, like I, I'm maybe judging them for wanting to murder us. I will say yes. Let's judge them. I, I don't think I I'll, I'm going to take a firm stance here and say they should not have threatened to skull fuck you. Yeah, generally, I think skull fucking's bad. Yeah, I think so. I think I think also um, there ought to be a law. <laughs> well, let's let's not talk about laws. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, like yeah, I think like I think. The other thing about that, of course, is um, anyone who says that is confident that it would be like a, a fairly straightforward uh, process. But I also think that anyone who has uh, anyone who's been honest with themselves is going to say they haven't really uh, practiced enough to make it work. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I, I feel like that's one of those things that you imagine will be very straightforward. And then you you sort of realize how strong a skull is and how weak other parts are. And yeah, no, a mess. I think that it's one of those things like so many things. Like, it's one of those things that people talk about but don't do. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I have to agree with you. I think that's probably one of those things people talk about and don't do. Um, <laughs> welcome to Cartridge, everyone. I'm Trevor Strunk Engelbot on Twitter. And this is uh, Scott Benson, who um, <laughs> it's, it's funny. You have been on my podcast enough times that when you said you were going to be on a podcast, someone uh, literally you, you did not mention the podcast. Someone just added you. With uh, I did say you would be on here, so maybe they saw that, but they added you and said like, "Say hi to Trevor." <laughs> hey, um, Trevor! Everyone says hi. Ah, cool. Um, we're but recording yeah, no, this, uh, by the way. Should we mention what we're recording this during right now? Uh, yeah, probably. So, like, we're probably a little weird recording this because we're right in the middle of. Um, uh, does it have a name yet? Like, it's it's. Then someone's gonna come up with one. Yeah, I saw someone say it was the. A cab spring, but I really hope no one does that. No, that um, would be bad, actually. Um, well, I, 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 I'm not looking forward to Commissioner Hosni Mubarak, but the um, if these things do happen, favorite, um, real quick, my favorite kind of like news came up with 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 a name for this era was 2001 when there was a couple shark attacks. Was the summer of the shark? Ooh, that one's great. Which I, I feel like you know dovetails in nicely with today. I, uh, but yeah yes it does i'm just referring to this as summer of the shark now <laughs> <laughs> summer of the shark um yeah no no i mean it is sort of the summer uh, i don't know what it's the summer of yet uh, basically the so uh in in the wake of the uh let's just call it what it is murder of george floyd um the uh by the minneapolis police uh there have been a number of protests uh and riots and and i say riots there and i hope no one imagines that i am saying it in any sort of pejorative way because the riot is not a bad thing it is a good thing uh or well it's a thing it's like an elemental thing it's a thing that happens yeah. um it, it is like it's well we don't have to get into my theorization of riots um <laughs> no one wants that uh another 40 minutes of that then we talk about a game <laughs> then we talk about the they theorize sharks um and i go to bed at 5 a.m Yep. Um, I go to bed right as Kristen wakes up. I was like, I'll just get 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, like it's. Um, so, yeah, there are riots happening. Um, there is uh, incredibly terrible uh, police brutality happening. Um, and in many cities across the country, uh, it is it is a strange time to think about anything else. And I, when this comes out, I, I would not be shocked if it was over and I would not be shocked if it was still going on. It is. It is a truly sort of like weird, weird moment. Not, I would say, and and Scott, maybe you disagree with me on this, and I'd like to, I'd like to know. 
I would say not unprecedented because uh, it reminds me very much, uh, at least historically speaking, because I was not there to experience it, of uh, 1968. Like, it feels like the 68 riots in, in a way, the way those, like, proliferated and spread and um, had sort of an epicenter in the 68 convention and George Wallace, but, uh, you know, really, really uh, proliferated in a way that, could not quite be pinned down to one event, but was a systemic sort of thing. Without also getting into my, my two cents is that not unprecedented, but like very uncommon in mm. this. And the particularly taking this fight essentially directly to cops and like, you know, the burning a precinct, like, yeah, like that's something I didn't think I was ever going to see in my life. So, oh, well, no. Yeah, Absolutely. That was something where it's just like, you know, not to get too far into it, but it was like, yeah, all this is complicated and it's hard to like look at any one thing and be like, oh, yeah, there are, you know, like what, like something about it. But like it's, it's something where I'm like, yeah, uh, if shit wasn't this bad, it wouldn't have come to this. So I, it's hard for me to look at a lot of what's happening uh, uh, and go, oh, no, or something. It's just like, oh, no, like, uh, it's, uh, yeah. given everything that's happening, a burning police precinct is, like, not exactly something I'm shedding any tears over. But There's the- there's a kind of argument about rioting that it is, like, a uh, a response to impossible situations and, and sort of, like, just what people do when they're put in. And, I mean, it, right and wrong, all sorts of things about that, but, like, I would say, like the people who are who are rioting in this case, particularly uh, people of color, are, have been put in impossible situations forever. Now this is, yeah. and it dovetails with so many other things going on right now too. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's you know it's pandemic, which we're also recording during. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's fairly unprecedented for us. I don't know how the I don't know how the 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 all oh, the Spanish flu or the Kansan flu, as we have learned, went. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I would say this is unprecedented as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no one has in our lifetimes has seen anything like what's happening right now just because of the unprecedented economic catastrophe happening right now, along with a horrendous, like monstrous kind of ruling party and a almost as terrible and just genuinely pathetic opposition party oh just absolutely feckless i mean the 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 pivot to russia gate stuff in this is um well okay so i've seen pivots to russia gate these are these are russian assets kind of things uh, that are rioting not which they did with uh the original blm stuff in ferguson as well i i totally remember uh, utterly disgusting relation was peaceful and like i imagine martin luther king was and then the white anarchist uh communists came in and riled them up right 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 right. i did see also uh someone sent um me actually it was it was uh not just friend of the show, but also co-host now, uh, uh, Piss, sent me this tweet um, from a uh, mayor somewhere. It's, it's truly, truly like a a world historically bad tweet. It's from Mayor Jenny Durkin. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, she's the mayor of Seattle. Uh, she says, I want to acknowledge that much of the violence and destruction both here in Seattle and across the country has been instigated and perpetuated by white men. Like, cool, that doesn't tell us anything, really. The second tweet. So it's so stripping of actual rage and agency from 
Oh yeah, no, I, they, they are trying to be woke here and being extremely racist. Um, and then there's a second tweet that's even better, which says, and, and you'll like this, uh, having just said that, uh, these individuals experience the height of privilege and are co-opting peaceful demonstrations that were organized and meant to center people of color, particularly black Americans. Yeah, it's just fucking, like, yes, obviously, in any sort of action like this, you're going to have a bunch of fucking dickheads who come in and, and yeah, people love violence and cops <laughs> yeah and all kinds of shit like that's going to happen you can't get around it they're not large enough to direct these protests at all and also video there's plenty like there is video evidence unfortunately and unfortunately that shows plenty of people who are not white doing this shit and like this is only kind of like a uh, that's only a bad thing if you think that that it, that this is somehow damning and disqualifying. Right. It's only a bad thing if you then think like, well, that's great. Then we can get them arrested, um, which it is not. Like it's it is it is truly a just and um, I don't know. It's a, it's 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 an expression of anger. Like I would yeah. never deign to police that. It it was funny because like I've definitely seen people be like, oh well, you can tell us white people because they you know they're out looting a Target, and I'm like, motherfucker, like, <laughs> yeah, like this is so stupid. This kind of like. This incredibly this reactionary stripping of people of color from like and black Americans in particular of actually being able to be angry about something. It, it's extremely strange. Had enough shit and and that being like okay, like I get it, like in the sense of like in the US, like, you know, it is there's so much fucking like racism and white supremacy that you're like, oh black people, they're gonna go and ruin everything. That like these that these people like can't fathom that yeah, actually, you 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 can just say that a population is is fucking sick of it. <laughs> and, yeah, and 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 you know, and took matters into their own hands, you know, and like that's okay. That you're not being racist by by acknowledging the fact that um, a a an oppressed population had fucking had enough of it. Like, yeah, no, exactly. Try to like make them in your brain respectable. If you already fucking respect them, for lack of better words, like, um, and I get it. Like, and there are definitely 1000% going to be white people, uh, and just cops and everything showing up, trying to do shit that they can kind of blame and be like, Oh, this is how black people are or whatever. But at the same time, like you, you can't, um, erase um, to use to use the kind of word that 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 mayor would probably like a lot. You can't erase um, or, you know, you know, shout down the actual people. In right. This. Like you just can't like. Yeah. It works if your project here is to try to create this sort of model version of like a black American citizen. And it's just like it just doesn't work like you. Um, you know, call out people who are obviously being provocateurs or being destructive in ways that are like really counterproductive or well, like that cop who was breaking the auto zone, auto zone windows, like clearly a cop doing that. Yeah, no, there's definitely some cop shit out here. Um, I call that out. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but like at the same time, also like you, um, we're going to talk about a video game eventually, but the, um, the uh, not the one you expect probably at this point. <laughs> what do you say? I said, maybe not the one you expect at this point. That's true. Yeah. Whatever one you expect, it's probably not the one we're going to talk about. But like, yeah, it's, it's this kind of um, this fake, this very respectable idea of struggle. It's like when people are like, oh, the civil rights movement was all just a kind of multiracial 
band of people in very smart suits in black. It, everything was black and white and solemn and stuff. And Martin Luther King kept saying, please, we need nonviolence. And, and that's all he ever said. He never said anything more. That was the extent of it. Yeah. What, what this reminds me of right now is um, kind of a little interest of mine, particularly over the past year and a half or so, um, is early 20th century uh, anti-capitalist history in the U.S. Um, it's just been kind of a thing that I've been interested in and um, thinking about a lot and reading a lot about, um, in part because I'm 38, and it's one of those things where, like, you do, if you're into, if you know, if you have, like, a conscience and stuff and uh, have some <laughs> criticisms of capitalism, um, it can be really easy to, like, miss the fact that you have a history in this country mm-hmm. that you've kind of been denied mm. a little bit. Like we, we have a very, we have a lengthy history of anti-capitalism in the U S that's not, you know, snowflakey college kids or something, or like invented <laughs> like last week or something, which is like kind of how it's seen now. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 Um, and stuff, and that's partly because um, snowflakey college kids and Tumblr teens uh, occasionally actually hatch up on something actually pretty good. But the um, uh, but they aren't kind of um, the only people that like talk about this. And so what's funny is that the um, is that the the idea is always that oh, there's this kind of capitalist consensus that the American people just kind of came to. Um, out of their own kind of like goodness and hardworkingness and ingenuity. Right. I mean, this was this was often what I was I believed when I was younger, which was like, well, you know, we tried all the systems and the best one was uh, was capitalism, not communism. So it's OK that that whatever chucklehead who has a TED talk that's like, don't think about capitalism as an ideology. Think of it as an operating system. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Because um, he's a fucking moron. Because we all love co- operating systems so much. The OS is... <laughs> as we were talking about before we started recording, my Bluetooth suddenly disappeared. So, um, but... Um, oh, yeah, and uh, and my my computer just updated, and now instead of troubleshooting, going to troubleshooting, it goes to a chat with a bot. Oh, love it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very excited about that. Thank you, operating systems. <laughs> but the... Um, and so it was funny. I was reading in particular early 20th century kind of socialist cartooning and like humor. Okay. Which you don't get ever really. Like no one talks about that. Like most of leftist history I heard was like, um, okay, there was some labor stuff. Then there was the Soviet Union. Uh, (laughs) There was some stuff against the Vietnam War in the 60s. And then the, uh, then the anti-globalization movement. I don't know. Something like that. Right, 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 right. This kind of thing. And it was like and then when you hear about the labor movement, it's completely stripped of all its politics or how it relates to economy at all. And and it's just I would like to go into work and have a better time at work. Like it kind of like gets stripped down to a well, we've all agreed that that this is the best thing we can possibly do. So now we're just going to tweak how that goes. And like, yeah, there's a lot of like business unions that are basically like that. But that's not how this started. At <laughs> right, all. right, right, right. Um, and stuff. And th- those things happened largely because all the act- all the anti-capitalists were purged from those places. Uh, and I guess like one of the the big things like that I've come around on is that. Like you don't actually have to look like to a lot of other places and kind of try to import their critiques of capitalism, although obviously you should and stuff. It's good to learn and understand 
going on in the world. No, no, don't go back on that. We uh, <laughs> no American a critique for Americans, but no, <laughs> you can. Um, we have our like own history, and it's really important to kind of claim that and understand it as something that belongs to us and that we kind of belong to as well. And I think like looking at there's a there's a magazine called Good Mor- Morning. Um, it's kind of um, headed up by this guy named Art Young. Um, there's a book uh, about him that I have over here. It's a big coffee table book. It just came out recently called, I think it's called To Laugh That We May Not Weep. Mm. Um, and it's about his work, um, his cartooning work in Good Morning, which was, yeah, kind of this anti-capitalist magazine of like, you know, wit and commentary. Um, and it's just a bunch of like little cartoons. I was posting them on Twitter like all last year. Um and stuff and it's just funny reading this and going oh i literally could have tweeted this last week right right right, right. yeah really like this is a dumb shit post i would have made like and stuff and going like oh yeah a hundred years ago literally like a hundred years ago like a goddamn century ago the you know, um this was known everyone knew that this was the people knew that this was a problem like we I, it feels almost like we're always like rediscovering it like that yeah suddenly it's it's like the like oh wow we're allowed to question this and like uh, we're not we don't have to pretend that there isn't a problem with this and it was like no and a hundred years ago they knew it and then um what happened was it wasn't that everyone in america said actually no we fucking love capitalism now uh the state came in and actually murdered and deported a bunch of people (laughs) (laughs) and and shit <laughs> and yeah, uh, and then yeah. and then blacklisted them from various industries, and then a lot of them died in poverty uh, or abroad, and that was it. It was put down basically by force uh, by the state and uh, capital, which is to say the state. And so like, uh, yeah, that was it. It's it's a lot. It's it's kind of a lot simpler. I mean, there's there was more to it than that. Obviously, there's infiltration and turning people against each other, and then there was just honest to goodness people making huge mistakes and everything like you would in any sort of thing like this. Sure, but. It's um, yeah, it's just funny how like I definitely still up until a few years ago was holding on to this idea that like, oh, it's this struggle and we just have never really been able to do this or like that. And it was like, oh, no, actually, the the, the reason why and <laughs> so we don't even hear about any of this shit because it was like literally kept out of our textbooks. Oh, yeah. No, 100 percent. It's just really funny because I I'm like such like an anti conspiratorial guy, like conspiracy theory type brain like I fucking can't stand. I think it's just going to grow up with so much of it and stuff. But then, like, there's stuff like this where you're like, well, it's not really, this actually just happened. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it sounds crazy, but it actually did happen. Yeah, it's not a conspiracy when it's real, right? Like, it's, yeah. Like, it's hard to, like, talk about, like, it's like, yeah, blacklisting happened. And that had a um, a huge um, effect on the production of anti-capitalist culture, basically. And, uh, and writing. And it's... Uh, and the Cold War basically uh, made it so that we kind of had to delete all of that and remove any sort of anti-capitalist content from our history or anything at all. Right. Uh, and um, also it's like in the same way that like, when you realize that like, oh, the civil rights movement wasn't just, you know, people solemnly like marching and suffering beautifully for the camera so that we could be better people at some point or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of but you kind of are like, that's kind of the general vibe that you get a lot and how you're taught about it. And then you realize, Oh, that wasn't the case at all. And then you're like, Oh shit, actually we, a lot of these problems that we're talking about right now 
are that we'll talk about this very evening on this podcast. Yes. That they knew about. Like it, it was known. This was a known thing. This was not like a something that was like made up or whatever. And like I feel like connecting to that history, at least for me, has been really important. And I know that that's not something that like is meaningful to everyone. Obviously, we we're, we were doing an interview with someone about our co-op a while ago. And um, the guy was saying something like, oh, is there kind of any hope for like, you know, unionization or anything like that? I'm like, oh, there's always hope. I'm like, it's like, you know, when you kind of take the longer view, like this is a struggle that's been going on for a really long time. And I think right now, like, you know, people kind of reclaiming that, you know, history is important and stuff. And he said something along the lines of, and I understand why he said this, but he was, he was like, yeah, but that's history. Like, what about now? <laughs> kind of wanted to, I, I, I wanted to be like, we're not, we're still in it. Like that's still it's not history. It's still happening. <laughs> like this is literally still happening. Like, I don't like, this isn't like history didn't cease to happen. And I get what he meant. Like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, cool. Well, talk, tell me about hundred years ago, but what about now? And it's like, yeah, I get it. My, my point is that um, this was a thing that did and does exist on planet earth and is like, and has a legacy and a history to it because it's true and has like an actual, has actual merit to it. And what isn't just something that no matter how much, um, folks kind of, and like our culture and capital wants to insist is not the case is something that actually is our, these are speaking of OS, these are known bugs. Yeah. Hey, there you go. These are these are known bugs. These are known issues and stuff. And um, the only way that this has been kept down in the past largely is via the state and capital itself just coming in and crushing it. Right. Yeah, that's it. Like, so at that point, it becomes a choice between capitulating to that or keep going. Um, to me, that's actually really heartening because it takes away a lot of my of the worries that you're told kind of growing up in in the US that any sort of left project is futile by, by definition like it's 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 like oh no this this will fail because there's something in people that's wrong right yeah exactly like uh, just like that's not human nature yeah or that's not human nature or oh we tried it and it didn't work and it failed kind of on its own merits and it's like not really like in the US it, it did not at all it was like it, it failed by design. <laughs> failed like by design by like actual crushing force of like the state and capital and stuff like that. Right. Kind of like and there are definitely issues. There were loads of issues and stuff, but there's loads of issues with capital too and capitalism. But those were those obviously have lots of runway to survive and figure things out when it comes to that. Whereas you know anything with the left kind of doesn't really have that um, luxury because of it's just. Uh, unbelievable odds it's up against so i don't know there's something yeah to yeah. that that was honestly weirdly comforting to me because it was recognizing that our our problem is less that uh, you know any problems that we have or we come up against are less what we've been taught which is that no this is fundamentally a, a, a bad idea or kind of fundamentally unworkable and more that oh no there are just material hurdles <laughs> yeah a, a lot more of it is that there are material hurdles well it's like it's like the you know like the i think the the sort of maybe cliche way of saying it would be like there's there's a um i i've been thinking about this a lot in, in a different context the context of um the chicago school of of like uh economics where like people uh like milton friedman and and uh, gary becker following people like von Mises 
uh, basically just like created all the garbage we hear all the time. Like the idea of the idea of like, well, shouldn't you be like, I mean, like, so like the idea of, you know, it's wrong somehow to, to do something that could impact your ability to be hired in the future, right? Like, oh, you know, don't go, don't go protest. What if a, what if an employer saw that? Like, that's totally just Gary Becker. Like, that's just Gary Becker doing the human capital thing where it's like, well, your job is to always be a, uh, be a person who is uh, very much uh, about um, valorizing your own capital. And if you're not doing that, then uh, always interviewing for some job. Right. And so like, but like, that's a process. Like someone came up with that theory and it was supported for like many different reasons by many different people. And like, yeah, yeah. Like that just, that just happens. And so like knowing that there's like a process, right? Like knowing like, okay, the Chicago school people came around and Milton Friedman came around and said like, yeah, look, like we're all venal bad creatures at heart. Like, but capitalism because of competition keeps us away from that. Instead of like knowing that someone actually had to write that down and argue it is, I mean, it's helpful. It it shows us that, like, yeah, it's not just about it's not just about it's not like a thing that just happened. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like everything that happens before you were born feels like an eternal truth, mm-hmm. um, kind of, you know, like we grew up in the the post neoliberal turn, essentially post. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so all this, so- you know, the 60s hippies, a lot of them that we were able to be around because they were still alive or because they had any sort of platform or are a lot of people that had given that up that idealism and had kind of like, you know, bought into the Reagan thing or had kind of like significantly tamped down whatever radicalism they had, because those are the, like anyone else who didn't do that, we were marginalized or ruined in some sort of fashion or whatever. Right. Yeah. And stuff. And so we kind of grew up like I, I still cringe using the word capitalism sometimes because I grew up, with like oh capitalism it's like oh shut up hippie kind of yeah yeah no 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 exactly <clears throat> like it's just like it's it's like oh yeah you're just saying that because like you got a you got a degree in uh basket weaving like yeah those of us who actually like tried or are, are you know right yeah that kind of like thing of like we grew up post reagan like the and and that huge conservative twist like turn after the 60s which was based and like so many fucking awful shit. And we're kind of still picking up the pieces from that. And yeah, and you sort of ostensibly left um, kind of, but you know, respectable um, kind of uh, alternative is like what Obama, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not great. I mean, like, honestly, like the fact that we're being spoon fed Biden at this point is, Ugh. yeah. 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 Fucking Biden's probably spoon fed all his meals. Ah! Hey, the joke, everyone, is that he's lost his mind because he's very old um, and, and he's running for president for some reason, running, running for president. Um, the uh, I think that like um, Terrence, uh, who um, if if you don't listen to the Trillbillies, go listen to that podcast. It's fantastic. Um, we're, we're, we're big Trillbillies allies here. Yeah. Um, real ally. Um, yeah, they're some of our favorite people. We love them. And uh, the. um he worked he he wrote and i don't ha- i don't know what it's called off the top of my head but he worked for um nonprofits and he wrote a really great kind of exposé of like yeah like 
And his whole thing is that nonprofits as they exist now, and particularly as they exist in the kind of idealized, like in the way that like the liberal kind of progressive liberal imagination imagined it, they essentially exist to manage the contradictions of capital. Like, yeah, that's right. They're like they're they're uh, they're a, a feel good story about capitalism. Yeah. And they're there to fill in the gaps, however poorly they're there to put rich people's money in. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And stuff they're there to be vanity projects and um, tax dodges there to to be to be like, oh, well, yeah, you um, can't. And oftentimes they're like they're started and run by like people who really do mean well, but they are by design uh, within the system, not going to be able to do almost anything. And they are designed to be essentially tweeted by Obama at the end of the year being like, oh, God. everything isn't all bad. Like, look at this one boy. He's seven and works twenty nine thousand hours a week. Uh, recycling shoes into food, something, <laughs> and uh, his uh, his dad uh, built a van out of trash, and he's going and doing laundry for people on the street. So everything's great. <laughs> Does not sound like Obama at all. But oh, it's better than my. I, I like. I'm around my house. I'm known for my good impressions. I, I know this sounds like it's that's a lie, but it's true. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a very dad thing to say. I know, I know. It's it like it sounds like a dad thing to say, and like he. It's love my goofs. <laughs> I say that a lot too, um, but uh, I did a I did an Obama impersonation the other day, and Kristen literally was like, "What was that?" And I was like, "Oh, like she's like, is that your Obama?" And I was like. I can't really do it, Obama. She's like, yeah, that was terrible. Like, <laughs> I I expected much better from you than that. I was like, yeah, no, I'm sorry, I just don't have an Obama. Uh, so Proud. your your Obama is better than mine. I'll, I'll give you that. I'm not even going to do mine. The um, uh, but yeah, so like that, and that's kind of the thing. It's like it's like, well, everything is terrible. But what if we just started a really inspiring, um, you know, nonprofit and. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, if we just had more nonprofits and a more intersectional uh, entrepreneurial sphere, everything would be fine, you know? And so, like, that's kind of what we grew up under. And Obama is, like, I think kind of, like, the purest distillation of that because... Oh, 100%. He he just... To the extent that anyone who's trying to do it now is just aping him, like Beto O'Rourke or fucking Pete Buttigieg, like... Oh, Pete Buttigieg is just... It's just, like... It's it's Obama via AI, like just canny. It is so bizarre. Um, I don't like it. I remember um, uh, Beto O'Rourke's. Um, you know, people were talking about like food deserts and stuff. A really huge problem. It's a problem here in Pittsburgh. It's a problem most places, honestly. And uh, the um, if you're not like in the suburbs or or like in kind of a ritzier area, there's food deserts all over the place. And um, so the um, uh, and his thing was talking about this one farm, uh, kind of urban farm in, I think, Austin. Might have been Austin, Houston. I forget where it is. I forget what it's called. But I looked it up, and it's like it's a kind of like a little nonprofit where people locally do free labor. Uh, and they help them, like, you know, with, like, resumes. And they um, do, you know, resumes and work and, like, a bunch of other stuff for people who kind of couldn't get jobs. And it's like, oh, that's cool. That's not really a solution to food security, <laughs> though. Like, it's having – let's just have a bunch of non privately owned nonprofit uh, farms where people who are, who are uh, you know, destitute or in, like – or who are denied or dispossessed in some fashion uh, go and just put in labor for free uh, to – 
help get a leg up into the free market. It's like, no, that doesn't work. Yeah, they can have they can have seven tomatoes. Yeah. And well, and that's the other thing. It's like they run like a little farm to table restaurant. It's kind of like a little it's like a farmer's market farm, which are cool. Like we yeah. get food from local farms, but that's not like a I'm going to go feed a neighborhood type thing. Like, you know, that is a that's a that's a farmer's markety type thing. Like you, you're not going to get food enough to feed large amounts of people who don't have any money to pay for it uh, by uh, having this kind of artisanal kind of little non-profit farm and like that and the farm might be great and great you know intentions and everything on its own but the Beto o'rourke thing was no but that's the solution <laughs> yeah right i guess like so like the other i mean the the thing that i think is also heightening um well heightening the contradictions let's say but uh it's heightening something heightening, heightening contradictions mm. heightening. uh is that um you know, like the, I, I saw some people saying this, and it's true. Like, uh, for Americans, like having to stay in, even if you were like mostly healthy, like a, a fairly like typically uh, bodied individual in your thirties or forties or twenties or whatever, like having to stay in was literally something where it was like, well, I'm doing this for someone else. Like, I'm I'm mostly doing this so I don't get my grandmother sick. I'm mostly doing this so I don't get, like, some old person ill or a, a person who has cystic fibrosis ill or whatever, right? Like, and, and they were like, this like maybe the first time anyone's just, like, done something for someone they didn't know. Um, and, like, it's true. Because, like, even that, it's like, okay, so, like, yeah, maybe I put free labor in at the farm uh, along with the other people who are doing it so they can get a share but then also I get to put that on my resume and it's going to look really good when I'm trying to get into Yale or like when I'm trying to like get my next job, be like, oh, yeah, you know, like I volunteer at this food, food farm and there this like uh, urban farm. And people, Wow, that's really great. What good what good personal experience you, you get the job like it's it's all about it's all about just like what can what can my experience get me on the market? And it's it's something because like I would be like, oh, is this a I was like, is this a farm cooperative to the people who work their own? And it's like, no, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like, like, oh, no, no, they do not. Absolutely not. Well, what would they do with it? <laughs> and they're, they're like, well, it's a neighborhood farm. I'm like, cool. Does the neighborhood own it and administer it or anything? It's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, goodness. No. <laughs> cool. Yeah. These are, you know, this, this is still an insecure situation, and it's something that can't possibly feed these people. Right. So, Beto, I don't know if you're going to go and plow over half of the city and turn it into publicly owned farming space to create local food for it. <laughs> He's just a Maoist. That's like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it is. Yeah, uh, sending all the landlords out to make pig iron and stuff. But like the, um, so like, yeah, it was. Um, so so that was kind of it. Like that kind of. Um, thing where we're kind of supposed to treat everything like we just had the ingenuity to solve this we could counteract what the market does because we don't have any better ideas slash we also really like attaining like gaining capital <laughs> yeah like we we it, it's like it's it's a mix of like um of the of ned flanders parents like we've on on the simpsons where they were the you know we tried every, we tried uh yeah. we tried nothing and we're all out of ideas um and then also just like the one obvious idea is like, well, you know, what we could do is um, just like give more things to people for free. Um, yeah. Where went, and it's like, it's like, well, no, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, ah, no, no, no. Um, uh, and yeah. Like, and that was kind of the thing. It's like 
one of the things that um, this week talking about, you know, the, the demonstrations and everything is people are like, oh, they're destroying their communities. And it's like, well, not really. But also they don't fucking own these places. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. If this was a publicly owned thing where everyone in the neighborhood was like, oh, this is our farmer's market or something or this <laughs> target. This, this is ours. I can't believe they looted the co-op. Yeah, like this isn't something that that that's just not the case. Like, and um, this isn't something that is owned by the community. Like this notion of commu- communal ownership, like, is just bullshit. It's like yes. communal customer. This might be owned possibly by one person in your neighborhood, possibly. Although that's barely even um, the thing half the time. Like, how many people work in any business where they actually live in the place? or in anywhere near the neighborhood where it's located, that's very rare. Yeah. Um, and the, um, they might work there, but like as far as owning it, um, like the, the, the owner of target corporate does not live in Liberty <laughs> neighborhood. That was, it was a, a majority black neighborhood that was raised to the ground basically to make it just the gentrification capital of North America. It was insane. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, yeah. and stuff. So it's like, there's, all this, all, all this stuff where it's like, no, there's there's no community ownership of this. And we're just treated with more and more austerity and the idea that, well, if you don't like the austerity, maybe uh, you could come up with an inspiring idea <laughs> to to take to do it or something. And it's just like so it becomes on you incumbent on you to go and fix it right. if, in some sort of way with no money, no resources at all. While um, capital can also easily co-op any sort of decent idea you come up with and just brand it and copyright and sell it. And like, it's like, what are you going to do? Like, you you can't, you know, go and nonprofit your way out of all this. So Terrence wrote that thing that um, that like, I think I forget where he wrote it, but that extremely good nonprofit article, which, um, like I said, I can't remember the name. You might want to link it in in your description because it's very, very good. But the um i'm giving you podcast notes now okay well, no good I'll, I'll i'll make a note of that thank you <laughs> but like um the and i i think he ended up losing his job because of it uh um, really and stuff yeah Ooh. yeah um and stuff it, because i mean it doesn't really mince words about it he's like yeah these are pointless they barely do anything we're kind of run ragged and it runs on the enthusiasm of underpaid people who want who do want to make change and it just burns people out and it teaches people that the only things we can do is just do this over and over and over and over and over again. We, you and I grew up, and most of the people listening to this podcast, I assume, grew up in a time when that was the ideal. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, if we just do enough of this, it'll be it'll be good with, with some, like, gentle reforms in, in at the ballot box. And so it's really funny to bring all this back, looking at socialist literature and jokes from, like, a hundred years ago <laughs> and in already seeing that, no, they were pretty aware that that was not going to work at all. And that the whole thing of like, well, it's just you, like, it's just all you know, the problem is just, if you can, you know, get together and like do something outside of it, then it'll be fine. Uh, and stuff like that was still like, they weren't calling it nonprofits, but it was still like the general notion of, um, this is just how it is. And you need to put forth a lot of ingenuity to come up with your, with your way to survive inside of it. Yeah. It's it like, I was, I was, um, uh, so I wrote a little, it, it, I, I'm saying this and I am not telling anyone to go out and get this book. Um, cause it's not out yet. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll promote it briefly when it's out, but like, it, it's a cool book. It's, it's a, it's a glossary basically of Marxist, uh, like a glossary of capital. Um, and I was asked ages and ages ago, 
to write a an entry in it on on technology and and so and so I have uh and it's you know it's through all the the you know the the various editorial things that it has to go through in order to get published in uh academia uh but like my you know page and a half or whatever is in there um it's very short but I was asked to write a bio for it and I said like I had a little bio and I was like you know I it, if you want something funny or like cute in there like i don't know how they how you want to do this but if you want something kind of like fun i'll tell you my two favorite chapters in capital and it's um it's the working day which is something i've talked about a million times but is amazing uh scott have you read the working day in capital i have not go read the working day it it, it it is it is actually i think you would love it, love it. okay um because it it is it's one of the easier chapters because it's uh mark's just doing like history basically but it is um for anyone who hasn't read it, it is basically a long history of the uh, how the eight-hour day came about, and then it does the most brilliant rhetorical move, and then tells you like why the eight-hour day is actually like not what you think it is, and like why it's not super useful. Um, so definitely, definitely read that if you haven't. Um, it's long though, so you're gonna give yourself some time. And then there's a really short. I have no attention span, so I refuse. Okay, gotcha. Um yeah, no, I totally understand. Uh no, I'm joking. I will I will go check. <laughs> but the, <laughs> I, I just really think you're busy. Like it's just like in the middle yeah, of the Yeah, I'm super uh, right now during quarantine, yeah, I've got just uh, too much oodles, too oodles much of plate. stuff to do. Um but like uh the other one is uh, called Seniors Last Hour. And Seniors Last Hour is like the working day. It's it, insofar as it describes a problem that exists to this day and is um, uh, also kind of like entertaining. But seniors, seniors final hour is a super short analysis and it's just Mark's completely teeing off on this guy, senior. Uh, it's his last name. I don't know his first name. It's sort of almost been lost to history, but he's just teeing off on this guy. Cause he's, he's like, his theory is that, Hey, look like, uh, you know, we can't pay people more because if you look at it and you break it down by hour, here's how the capitalist makes their money. And it's like, well, you got to pay three hours of uh, of labor time to get the materials. And then you got to pay four hours to get the product. And then, like, there's one hour left. And so, like, that's all I can give you. Like, you know, and it's like, you know, I can't make a profit if I'm not taking all these hours. And uh, Marx basically does this whole thing where he's just like, where does seniors hour come from? Um, and he like he goes through all these funny ways of wh- how it might happen. And his conclusion, to paraphrase it badly, is basically like th- where it comes from is pointless because this whole uh, practice is this whole like exercise is futile. It's dumb. It's like it's it's completely misses the point of how labor works. You make all the value in this. Uh, it doesn't matter what the material where the materials are coming from and profit happens whether or not you have it in this stupid like timed way this guy is is a fool and it's just such like a great and fun takedown but it's also something that is absolutely you know you could see someone writing about this and being like okay leftists like so you want to raise huh (laughs) okay like how am i gonna do that if uh if i need to make a profit still and it's like (laughs) you moron (laughs) (laughs) what if uh what if i want some of the shit how about that what if uh you want something that you uh you made but uh i want it all for me about that (laughs) it's like i don't know that's like that's the voice by the way i always give to like raccoons that are outside because we have raccoons that hang out around our house and it's like "Hmm, why don't you uh how about you dump your plate leave a little for the raccoon huh 
Like, how about a... How about I come inside? I'll clean up for you. Raccoon's nature's only good capitalist. Oh, God. They're not even capitalists. No raccoon is owning anything or organizing anything other than a raid on something. Well, no, but 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 they are are, uh, they're fierce acquisitors. (laughs) They they live to consume. They're in the enclosure or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I I always like it. They're like, oh, why not leave something out here? (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy, looks like uh, looks like you're having a really nice dinner there. Uh, be a shame if uh, if any slipped off your plate <laughs> and out the door. Hey, why shouldn't? Hey, how about why why shouldn't the raccoon have that? <laughs> it's like, like it, I mean, you're not you're not you're not a parent, so you may not have read this book. But um, uh, there's a book by uh, this guy Mo Willems who writes a lot of books for kids um, called uh, Not the Pigeon. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, okay. uh, don't let the pigeon drive the bus. Have you ever read those books? No, but I know about it because people told me that um, the thing things that I draw because it's oh yeah I can see that it's um forced profile view with like one big eye on. I can see it yeah it, it, more than your drawing there's like there's something of a Scott Benson voice to those books too because the oh no the pigeon is just like is is very much like he just he's a character who wants something and the the funny thing about it is the kid constantly gets to tell the pigeon no. Um, oh, okay. Which my kids never did. They just had me read the book, which is weird, uh, but it's fine. Um, but basically, you're the you're the you're the horrible torment. I know I am. I, I torment the pigeon. Um, but you're told at the beginning of the book by an authority figure that the pigeon can't have something, and then through the whole book, the pigeon just keeps asking you for it, and it's it's always ridiculous, like the pigeon driving the bus or whatever. Um, Does the pigeon eventually get to drive the bus? No. Oh, well, but at the end, but it's like it's funny because like the pigeon keeps bargaining with you in ridiculous ways. And then like, you know, at the end of the bus one, he doesn't get to drive the bus. And then he looks up and sees a big rig and he's like, oh, how about that? Oh, but the the voice I always do for him is kind of like that, where he's like, I'll be your best friend. (laughs) Why don't you? And pigeons get to drive buses, too. I never get to do anything. I like the idea of like the meaner creatures of Earth um, being just like negotiating or whatever. Because <laughs> yeah. I realized like I used to uh, with our our late cat R.I.P. Ico. Um, the um, would be like, huh, why doesn't? How about Ico? Why, why shouldn't Ico get a treat? And it's like he's not really wanting to debate you. He's just putting that out there. <laughs> that, that's, you know. that's exactly like the pigeon. Like I, I why sh- it's, why shouldn't I have it? Yeah, like, what, what do you yeah, think? My let the cat have some. You let you let uh you let other people drive the bus. Why not me? What's uh what what's what's wrong with the pigeon driving the bus? You don't think I can do it? I feel like this is um also the general voice of BK from Donut Country. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. stuff. Which um it, I don't think this is online anymore, but Donut Country has a, essentially a prequel game. Really? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Brooklyn Trash King, which is what BK stands for. Okay. Um if you play Donut Country, BK the Raccoon, Brooklyn Trash King. Um, and it was a twine game that existed years ago. Oh. It was actually on my Giant Bomb Top 10 list, the first one I ever did in, like, 2014 or something. And it was really, really funny because the entire thing was you were just some, like, idiot with, like, a a, a bad Kickstarter um, who was hanging out. And then, like, uh, I think your internet got messed up because of, of raccoons or something, and you, like... <laughs> You have to, like, follow them, and you meet the Brooklyn Trash King, who is just this, like, raccoon, like, on a throne of garbage and stuff. But he has that kind of just general vibe, too, of yeah. the kind of, like... Uh, and there used to be a Brooklyn Trash King 
Twitter or whatever. Oh, and he would nice. just it would just tweet things like dump your plate, dump your plate, dump your plate uh, <laughs> uh, all, all the time. So, yeah, that, that's that's some dank uh, donut donut uh, county, donut county, donut, donut country? country, donut country uh, lore. Um, you know what's funny? I played Donut Country strictly for my first. I haven't been asked back, so maybe only uh, giant bomb list. Uh, oh, really? So there you go. It's, it's, um, same there. Got to yell at them to have you. Back. I I I truly did not say anything to Alex, so it's it's a joke. Uh, that that's a joke. Uh, next year I will ask because I enjoyed writing it. Um, um, I'm just I'm goofing. I don't think they are being mean to me. Um, <laughs> I I will not. And I, I will not stand for this. Uh, I'm just getting furious at the, the shadow banning of Trump. How dare you? So I'm just going to tweet social media in all caps. I really enjoy writing those because I never get to write anything. Like, it's not long form, but short form. Like, I never get to write anything, really. Both of ours that, were on the verge of long form, as I recall. Mine was pretty long. I don't remember how long. It wasn't the longest because, like... There's definitely people like Connor Space Twink that get mm-hmm, in there, yeah. and it's just like, okay, well, buckle in. Uh, that's uh, that, that's I say that fondly. Con- Connor's great, but the um, uh, but like it, you know, you're gonna be here a while, and so like um, I'm this year I'm gonna try to beat everyone and have if, if I'm asked, it's gonna be the longest top ten list ever. I'm just going to I'm gonna transcribe the hour that we've been talking on this podcast. Well, so like you'll have to transcribe the the next bit too then. Um, yeah, um, that's actually as good a segue as we're going to get. I'm glad we did this, though, because um, honestly, like, I don't I don't know if we would have been able to talk about anything besides what was going on without a fairly long debrief about what was going on. You you, you definitely needed to warm up with pot- with potential murder, raccoons, capital, um, <laughs> discussing violence and uh racial essentialism that is bad and uh things of that oh and if you're if you're still here um you know like i'm not i didn't do the thing where i um where i posted that i did this on my twitter or whatever but um i donated to the minnesota bail fund or the minneapolis bail fund i think uh they don't need that anymore i think they've actually said like hey there are other places like we got enough money because uh, like the the response was so much uh, but you should donate to your local bail fund. They have like all sorts of stuff going on. Their websites are very good. Uh, it is extremely easy to do, and uh, and they could really use the help right now. So like, I'm gonna Philly bail fund. Uh, bail fund. I'm gonna be a jerk and say that you should just do that anyway. In general, you. Should. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Like part of the whole like you know anti cap like project has to include like prisoners. <laughs> like you really do have to include that. Like it can't be just. Some sort of generic notion of worker. No, no, not at all. Like th- this is like like the the incarceration is like you know you have to have like some solidarity with prisoners or whatever. We're, we're in our culture taught to be like they're you know, the most unclean people and like oh you're advocating for the incarcerated, you're advocating for them, and then you just make up the worst possible thing. You know, like yeah. everyone in there is a cannibal or something, and not like someone who got like clipped stealing a TV or something. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Or, you know, got into a bar fight or something like that. Like, it's, you know. going to start, just actually going to start describing all the people from Con Air. It's not like everyone's just, like, a cannibal. Some people got in a, car, a, a bar fight and uh, accidentally killed a guy and ended up on a plane. You can have a perfectly pleasant tea party. It's fine. <laughs> um, but is that Steve Buscemi in that movie? I yeah, like yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the guy who's, like, the really, really twisted guy. 
yeah, he's he's super fucked up and and bad. But he has a pretty okay tea party, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So um, that does not end in murder. Um, but like, um, yeah. So it's like that kind of solidarity with inmates is like such a huge thing, and it's something that I think could stand to be kind of more. Uh, underlying no, I agree. In general. Yeah, it's it's um, something so that is. It's a good good opportunity. Yeah, it's well, it's something that's coming into the the zeitgeist now. Um, one thing that I really liked about I didn't do the twenty four hour stream this year because um, well because of the pandemic initially, but it would seem even it would seem crass in different ways now. Um, maybe there will never be a time it won't seem crass. Who can say? But um, the the twenty four hour stream I didn't get to do, and one of the things that I really liked about the first one though was. Um, uh, Andrew, uh, my my co-host on, on No Wall Scroll, uh, matched donations for like uh, a brief period of time, like, like two hundred or so dollars. I can't remember for Brooklyn Bail Fund, and like that was something that really brought that into my um, like sort of like line of sight in terms of like, well, what can I donate to? And it's it's something good to learn that there are bail funds everywhere. And they help people who, you know, don't have $10,000 lying around to just, like, get themselves out of jail before they're even convicted. I feel like there is a thing, and I, I don't feel like this. I know this just from family and friends and everything. There's a feeling that, like, that from, like, our criminal system and the way that we view things that, like, you don't want to be too associated with people who are convicted because it somehow, like, makes you less... I want to say unclean, but like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you you need to have some sort of upstandingness to you, right, or something. Yeah, I, I feel like um, that c- complete um, throwing away of anyone who is incarcerated um, for whatever reason, like the time or way more of the time, is utter bullshit and should not be happening to begin with. But the um, um, but just that kind of thing of like, oh, these are the people that we can just throw away or like uh, you kind of see it this weekend with fucking cops flooring it like. In, oh, yeah. And oh, SUVs yeah. over people like the response is, well, those people shouldn't have been standing there. What do they expect? You know, because now every time you are in the way of a cop, it should be a capital offense. It's that kind of thing where it's like things just get collapsed down. So it's like every single crime is like equal or whatever. So it's like, yeah, whatever happens to you, we don't care. You shouldn't have done Whatever. Well, yeah, and 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 I mean, not to not to get us back in the weeds, but like capitalism requires a surplus army of labor, and like surplus army of labor is involves people who can't get jobs and are are like you have to say like, well, I'm sorry, you have to dig latrines because you're a prisoner, you're an ex, you're an ex con, and like, I'm sorry, that's like all we have for you, or you have to do prison labor and like put out surveys for Mike Bloomberg because uh, you have to, you're here and you're our slave. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's the constant search for groups of people to, you know, via a rule set, make it so they basically have to, 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 uh, to do labor to enrich yep. you know, private owners like, or, um, it were, uh, yeah, which is kind of like I remember like someone talking about the kind of like the liberal project of kind of like means testing and kind of like endless, you know, splitting, you know, uh, you know, trying to, you know, make a sandcastle with a pair of chopsticks or <laughs> one grain at a time. We have to like put this all in order and do all this stuff like the um, 
it's kind of like at heart, it ends up being a project of figuring out who best you who, how to exclude who. Like, yep, yep, yep. You're in a constant search for who to exclude. Like, it's like we have to find new horizons of people to exclude from any sort of from any sort of anything that does not directly benefit capital. Well, that's the, I mean, that's and that's another article of truth that you're given in 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 school uh, growing up in America that like, well, unfortunately, some people are going to be left out inevitably people are it's probably their own fault yeah exactly like and good news there's a few tragic stories but for the most part yeah but for the most part uh that's this kid has learned to make sandwiches out of shoes and it is now his dad uh has re he they 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 find horses that are dead and they bring them back to life <laughs> and now obama's gonna tweet about them <laughs> Um, so I was going to say the the other the other segue into our actual topic was 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 the raccoon the Brooklyn Trash King and their voracious appetite. Yeah, I was going to say that was a great seg- segue, and then we to to the the world built around capital. Yes, you were yes. supposed to procure. Things. So uh, why don't you tell us what what is the game we're considering today? We're talking about fucking man eater, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> This, this is so good. I feel like this is going to be a very enthusiastic episode. But yeah, no, we have one hour of like of just like extremely sober analysis, and then we'll have another hour of us going. This game rocks. This game owns so hard. It's so good. Aim has is writing at like a seventy something on Metacritic right now, and I am not one to question the critics. But you can you can always question Metacritic. Um, this um, is. This is a travesty. This game is better than most games. It is so good. I love it. The only thing I think I can say negatively about the game, and this this is going to sound like nitpicking because it is, is that it currently still has some performance issues and will will drop frames a lot and like gets chunky because there's not like it needs a patch basically. Oh, it, okay. Well, you can patch that. Yeah, having having released games, I'm like that's not a problem. You patch that shit. Yeah, no, no, no. It just it just needs a it needs a patch. That's that's all it needs. And if it had that patch, I don't know what you'd complain about. Um, yeah, it is so good. Do you want to kind of describe, pitch what the game? Yeah, so the game is sort of a mix. I, I will say the funniest, the funniest element of this game, uh, in terms of like what it is, happened when I was, um, I didn't know where to buy it. Like I, I thought maybe I should get it on Steam, and then I realized like, oh, it's an Epic Store game, so I went to yeah. Epic. Um, but when I was on Steam, it's, it's. I guess it's going to be there someday, so they just have the page for it. Um, but they said similar to games you've played, and the top score for the similar to games I've played was. Um, uh, let me first say it's not similar to any game I've played, and um, um. second, uh, the the top score was Fallout New Vegas. Um, okay, I I, uh, I don't. Josh Sawyer actually directed this. Yeah, right. Exactly. Josh really gets around. It's it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's um, it's not really like Fallout New Vegas. I'll say that I don't. I don't think it's a lot like Fallout New Vegas. No, I do not think it's much like Fallout New Vegas. That said, um, there is a, uh, I mean, there's like a joy to it that is similar to some of the the kind of like feelings that people are given by Fallout New Vegas. So yeah, I, I get that part. It is a game where basically it's a pairing of genres. The one genre is you are exploring an open world and and unlocking it it is very much the you know like find places unlock them get different places that you can have resting spots you know stuff like that um it is also a game 
about um, uh, being the star of a nature show. Uh, yeah, it's like a it's like a the reality document like a trashy reality documentary nature basically show like deadly like, like on like the history channel or something yeah something like that and so y- you start off following this shark hunter um daily daily pete that's right he who has a cajun accent an accent that i have heard in real life and can never believe exists it's so good it's a great accent i don't know why we aren't all like you know how like people will like go to like europe or like they'll go to like England and come back and being like people do be, be going like, to Europe. That's true. Yeah, you know how that is. But like the you know people go to like you know uh, they visit London or whatever and they come back. They're like, oh, I got to go to the loo. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot we call it the toilet. Here. Yeah, right. Thing like it's like, everyone boos them loudly and pretend that they picked up an accent. All of us need to do that right now with the Cajun accent. I feel like learning that a Cajun accent is real is like a is like a for for a particular era of growing up is like it's like a a a growing up thing because then you realize that leatherhead from uh, ninja turtles was actually like there's someone who sounds like that or gambit from x-men it's like wow that's like that's a thing um i uh, um, i would love to have a cajun accent i would love to be speaking to you with a cajun accent right yeah i it's that it's impossible to do an i i cannot do an impersonation of it either i can only do like i got own tea but that's not very helpful that's just french yeah well no it's 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 kind of both because uh, Kitsiagin is French. It's a it's a Creole accent. It's it's a it's a corruption of uh, Acadia. Yes. Yes. Cajun. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. I never thought of it. Oh, you're right. Wow. I, like that's Cajun. What Acadian. Acadian. Cajun. From Acadian. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's between that and the uh, the pirate language of uh, of South Carolina. That's only on that one island. You ever hear that? Oh, right. Yeah. That's a good one. Of, uh, that kind of stuff's like super, super interesting. Yeah. There's like mining yeah. towns in like North PA where like everyone kind of still has a tiny bit of like an Irish accent and stuff. Oh, cool. I was just talking with someone today about how like uh, from Boston, they were like, it's so weird that Pennsylvania Dutch is still like a thing. And you, it, like it's when you live around it like we do, it's it's hard to stop and think that it is. But it's really weird. <laughs> like it's really. Yeah, no, it's totally, totally. Boston now. <laughs> In, it indoors. I, I cannot do any. I think Bethany could probably do at least a decent impression because she grew up in thick Amish. Country. I could do it all right, but only because my dad did impressions of it all my childhood. He, uh, he would always say, like, the, I think the 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 thing he heard that he always brings up is they were talking about someone who had passed away, and the person said, uh, "Um, oh, uh, it was if he lived till tomorrow, he'd be dead a year." <laughs> Which he was like, I've never been able to figure out what that means. That's so good. That is so that's like when I was like a kid and I would ask my mom, like, if it rained right now, would it snow? Um, <laughs> that kind of thing where it's like, what? excuse me, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That, that, child, I don't I say now. Um, yeah, you should you, say you should mention that the that the star of the. Fish- oh, yeah. Excuse me. The star of the fishing show is not actually Scaly Pete. Um it is you, a shark, uh, who the grisliest scene in this in this game, which is truly a grisly game in a lot of ways, um, but fun in a fun way, uh, mm-hmm. is um, you first play as this full grown shark who is just destroying a beach. You just have all your powers. You are just ripping it up. Yeah, it's um, what they would call in Giant Bomb an abilities where yeah. they start you off in the game 
with like a hey you're super powered up and then strip that away from but it's a good i i thought it worked better than most i thought it was a great tutorial because like you didn't feel limited by anything so you're like oh okay cool like this is how the game will work um and then scaly p captures you the big shark and uh kills you and cuts you open and pulls out a baby shark Uh, an adorable little baby cartoon bullshit yep and cuts two uh, little notches in your fin, and uh, Scaly Pete's son says, uh, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> that, that's crazy. And uh, Scaly Pete says, oh, I'll find him later when I kill him next time, or kill her next time. See him again. <laughs> I, will kill, I, for, I can't even do it. I can't even. If I see her today, I'll kill her next time. Um, and, like, and, and, uh, and then you bite his hand off. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you just like completely bite his hand off, and that first taste of human flesh, you get to you get to chomp on that hand when you're in the water. Mm-hmm. The narrator, Chris uh, Chris Parnell, Chris yeah, Parnell, Chris yeah. Parnell yeah, Chris of of Saturday Night Live fame. Uh, also, Doctor Spaceman, and uh, oh yeah, Doctor Doctor well. yeah, <laughs> Uh But yeah, it says um, says uh, it's it's said that sharks are. Uh, they they once they taste human flesh, they never want anything else, and uh, that helps explain why your shark is a vicious, vicious killing machine. Yeah, you. One of my favorite things is so like the game like so you start off, and it should be mentioned that the reason why you're on a killing spree as the adult shark is because you have like a harpoon stuck in you from Scaly, right? And so you're off taking. Oh, isn't it from Scaly Pete's dad? Like, doesn't he say this is my dad's harpoon? Uh, yeah, I forget what it is. Right. Like uh, now, I'm forgetting what the, what the what the setup is. Basically, you you are somewhat justified as that. First Understand, shark. there's not a lot of plot here. Like it's yeah. it's like it's it, and and that's fine. Like it it is it is done in in the perfect way where like you know just where the story is going and that's fine. Yeah, you you did. What plot could you even need in this game? Any plot would take away from this, uh, but. So like so you know you're on your rampage and stuff so yeah then Scaly Pete catches you cuts you open and uh, you know in the cin- in the cinematic the uh, baby shark uh, bites off Pete's hand and what I like is you assume control right after that in this starting area by you and floating down in front of you is the hand and really the first thing you can eat in that in the game is just chomping down that hand and I love that. yeah I do too it's such good storytelling <laughs> yeah you start this whole thing off. By going up and pressing a button to chomp down the rest of the hand, which I love. It's great. The the game to kind of, I guess finish to 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 piggyback off of your um, introduction. Like basically, from that point on, you are kind of evolving, growing up, and eventually like, mutating. <laughs> uh, shark. Because there's also this like environmental commentary throughout the whole thing. Because the place you're in is just like hyper polluted by all the worst stuff so you are getting you are just getting constantly constantly mutated yeah like uh by the end by and by the end you're like equipping and unlocking mutation so i like it like by the end i'm putting on like huge skeleton arm <laughs> or like turning into like a being like a shark a being of shark electricity yeah, i have a couple of those because i've killed some uh bounty hunter leaders oh okay yeah yeah i just hundred percented the game yesterday I, I i just started playing it today and i'm 35 percent of the way through like it is yeah it's like it's only about like um i was like i think i ended up with like 20 hours sounds right that's 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 100 percenting everything yeah. which is yeah. fine by me but the um uh but so you're kind of going up and unlocking areas it feels very much like that 
I want to say late aughts, early teens, open world game type thing, which I really love. I miss those kind of like double A interesting little games. Like some of my favorite games are like Crackdown, Red Faction, Guerrilla, Just Cause 2. Um, those kind of open world like here's a bunch of things. Here's a bunch of safe houses. Like it's, yeah. you know, obviously picking back off of early GTA design, but going interesting fun places with it. And here go cause carnage in unique ways. And um, in this game, yeah, you're eating things and growing, and I mean, it literally is kind of an RPG. I mean, you it describes it as an action RPG, which is yeah, very funny. D, um, and uh, is yeah, technically an RPG, and um, and as you go, you're kind of making your way out into these different areas. There's different predators that you're going to have to contend with, like alligators, other sharks, barracudas, uh, muskies, which this game seems to think are fucking rabid murder. Yeah, I was surprised. And they kept against sharks. It's wild. In the last bits of that game, I I was a 30 foot mega shark mutant that could just eat anything. I'm like taking down sperm whale (laughs) and stuff. I just got to the first Mako. You know what? I'm going to pick a fight with that guy. Um, Which is very funny. I did like the game. The game definitely like to to sort of level the seriousness of the game at you. Initial, the first thing you run into are the muskies, and like Parnell's voiceover just goes like, "People are gonna ask like, why is a muskie here when we're in uh, the Gulf Coast? They live in the Midwest." And he goes, "You're thinking about the game too hard." And just like something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's basically the mystery science theater thing of like you know just repeat to yourself. It's just a show. Yeah, they've they've got a couple things like that. The um. Have you how far have you gotten? I am to the golf course. Okay, cool. Right. So I'm probably going to. So I was I was thinking it was really funny because I I went to I was on the Reddit board for it because I was looking. I ended up there for the same reason. I always end up on Reddit boards. Uh, I don't end up there there a lot, but I end up there when I am uh, looking for technical fixes. A lot of times that will be where they take me. And I was like, oh, technical fix. Great. Like, you know, what will Reddit tell me? And one of the things on the board was uh, was a thing where it was like, I got some cool footage from the last fight. And there was a big spoiler tag on it. And I was thinking to myself, like, what's there to spoil about this game? <laughs> like, it's just Yeah. A, it's, you know where this is going, like, right off the you bat. Think he's gonna, like, you, think you're, you think your shark, she's going to lose to Scaly Pete? You think, like, there's yeah. going to be some tragic ending? Like, it's, it's, a, yeah, no. it's a shark game. You, you know what's going. <laughs> Have fun. But, yeah. Yeah. The but like so as you go, you start in this little bayou and you're fighting like crocs and stuff, or I guess alligators and the alligators are these beasts at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, at the beginning. <laughs> Later on in the game, they're like super trivial. Good. But at the beginning in particular, the game does a really good job of progression because like it is kind of difficult at the start. It, it can really get get you at the start. After a while, I just never died again after a certain point. Because you get to the point where you're like, yeah, you are officially the alpha predator of this entire area now. Like you could just there's nothing that they can throw at you that you're not going to be able to handle. But which is great because you are really weak to begin. Yeah, I died quite a bit so far. And Parnell always has something real snide to say to you uh, when you die. The one the one that I thought was funniest was uh, I thought following that shark for a whole season was going to be boring anyway. So, (laughs) yeah, probably for the best. Um. So, um, so as, as you go, you kind of get out further and further, you know, from the bayou and closer to the sea and you, um, you go through just the worst beachfront communities ever. Oh, they're horrifying. Just fucking 
I you just hate them so much. So there's the bayou at the beginning, and then there's Dead Horse Lake, which is basically just a toxic waste dumping site. And then there is um, I'm going to get all their names mixed up. There's a, there's a one that's like basically just a huge golf course um, on a bunch of kind of islands and interconnected like spaces and everything, just very manicured. Then you go on into what is essentially like luxury condos. And then because this is the kind of game this is, you go into a whole SeaWorld area because this is not a game that's going to let that off the it, hook it at said, all. It says that at the beginning, even where it's like like an orca who is painfully tortured by SeaWorld. <laughs> like it is it is a game that. So let me let me just like say this up up front. It's a game that is one hundred percent. It's a game that is one hundred percent the. Um, it is like politically thoughtful, even though it is a shark game. Like it lays out political ideas that are like pretty reasonable. Like someone someone responded to to me talking about it on Twitter and said like, yeah, there's a part where they're like. Um, their answer after failing after all these mild technocratic solutions failed more mild technocratic solutions like we'll see what happens so one of the funny things about this game is this game so like you're still early on by the end there's no there's no it's, it's completely unvarnished it's great by the end it's just like oh the gulf coast gives you great views to see how humanity is destroying the world for its own capitalist greed like I mean I'm not even joking it gets to that point like like at some point, maybe in the back half of the game, Parnell's lines stop being as like ha ha ha, and more just like ah, all humans deserve to die for what they've done to nature. I mean, it's like it's not quite that, but it's close. Like there's there's a there's a um like it it gets really really in your face, and like at at the end, like he he talks over the credits and basically is like. Again, it, to say this is a spoiler is ridiculous. <laughs> he's like, um, he's 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 just like, I guess you could say there's a moral to this that humanity's uh, lust for commodifying the environment is leading them towards a, 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 a catastrophe. But whatever, this is just a show about watching sharks get murdered and people getting eaten by sharks. See you next time or <laughs> something really like good. that. It's like it's really it is it is very it is a game that is fundamentally about. I mean, not fundamentally. It is a game about uh, climate change and climate catastrophe, particularly through human consumption and capitalism. Like that's what, what I really like. There's I, like, yeah, what I love about this game is like how it. So like we were comparing it to to other games coming out recently, and like how there are left politics in, in some games, but like this game like works really well as kind of like a a a left political project because it's like it's so silly. Like, you're just like, oh, how could this possibly have left politics? I'm just going to play, have fun. And it just, like, it kind of just slides them in there. And and mm. they make sense because Parnell is such, like, a uh, a jokey, like, you know, cynical kind of, like... He he is one of the best things about Oh, yeah, he does an amazing job. Hilarious. He's so good. I never got sick of hearing. No, and, and like, the there's, like, all sorts of dumb jokes. Like, the one I tweeted this one out, but, like... You find these caves that you basically serve as your home bases, and the the third one you find the mission for finding it is called Third Cave Feminism. Which there's a later one that's called I Spit on Your Cave. <laughs> so, uh-huh. good. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I like there's even one. There's ones that don't work. Like there's like uh, and and they don't really care. Like there was one that was clearly supposed to be like up the punks, but it was like up the like I, I don't know like it, it did like 
pronks or something <laughs> like it, it completely did not make sense <laughs> that's about and right it was like uh, it's just it's it's joyful in that way and fun but then also like it does the whole like nature's revenging itself on us like you know nature's fighting back sort of thing <laughs> we, we are the you virus know, basically nature is healing humanity was the yeah it does that without being it is that yeah. i mean like spoiler it never gets any better like humans are the enemy in this game there there's like there's exactly one character in the game that has any redeeming value that's a human and they do not survive mm. like Every every human you meet in the game is just the game is like, yep, kill them. They deserve death. Yeah. Yeah. There is no solution here. There is no there is no kind of like quarter or whatever. I mean, there, there's jokes made about how like this shark's being a little unreasonable. <laughs> it's also like, But it's also like, yeah, this is, you know, what man hath wrought, essentially. And. All the humans that you meet die or potentially die. And the game is like, yep, that's what you get. <laughs> the end. Like, it's weird because you expect them to both sides it at some point. But no, th this is not this is not a game that is is like the oh, yeah, we can. What you we have to go do is actually meet the nice people that live here and band together. And it's like, no, they all are here to consume and destroy where you live. Um, and uh, you are probably at least somewhat justified in murdering. All. Yeah, the only both sidesism in this is that like the the alpha predators of the places where you've eaten all the food come and attack you at some point. And, and they're like, well, you ate all their food. What do you expect them to do? Yeah, no. Well, it kind of it very much shows, um, views that as a so a bunch of these um, um, creatures were also basically tortured and created in t turned into monsters by humans. That's an mm -hmm. Later on, I mean, you do fight an orca. There's a there's a croc that you fight at some point that was clearly raised to be, you know, to you know be this monster and fight and everything. So it's like there's that, but it it, it definitely views that like, like the game's impression of you throughout is well, this is a particularly violent and voracious bull shark who's kind of a dumbass, but that's just how the animal kingdom is, <laughs> right? And stuff right. and. But like it hates any any humans that you come up against. Like it is very much like, oh, here come the shark hunters, and then it'll just start shitting on hunters for like five minutes straight. Like for shark hunters, like even though they're endangered, these assholes don't care. I mean, it is really like they. I was shocked later on because I kept waiting for them to kind of equivocate. Yeah, but they don't. Like this game has a. At least the game itself. I don't know anything about the developers. The developers. They made Killing Floor, but I don't really know anything about Killing Floor. I don't know anything about it, so I don't. I don't want to like assume their all their intentions or whatever. But the the way that the game certainly comes <laughs> is just yeah. It, it it does not have a lot of sympathy for any of the people at all. Truly, that you truly. end up eating in this game, and that's kind of I don't know. Like, and it, but it has like a moral element to it it's not just like everybody sucks the end uh, it's like, yeah it's not postal yeah no it's it's not it's not that it's not like it, it is very much like yeah uh, none of this would have happened if you idiots hadn't come and died. right and right. um it's very you know it kind of like to talk to say that this game has like a complex analysis of capitalism i don't even think the people who made it no but that's that's kind of like the benefit of it like there's there's something about the the way this is written like i i'll i'll put my cards on the table i found i've never played any of the borderlands games except for a little bit of borderlands 3 which i found um completely unplayable like i i i hated that game 
I've seen a little bit of it, and like, there's some cool people that work on that game, but not. Yeah, and and no offense to those cool people who work on the game, I get it. It like, and it is not for me. I, the the gameplay was fine. The writing just left me completely cold. It's the tone and the personality, and the- yeah, and like, I as far as I can tell, that's that's Pitchford to a T. But the like the there's something about this writing where it's like it feels kind of like what they wanted to do. <laughs> it's it's a good version of smart. Yeah, it it really is like oh yeah, like these guys like the the hunters are like they're real doofy and like, you know, they they all have bad like sort of like unappealing stereotypes about them or whatever. Um and it's not but it's not like oh okay, like are you going to do another like fat joke or you're gonna do another like uh sexist joke like what what are you gonna do here okay let's see what you're gonna do game it it is like it is legitimately like just weird monster people who are like yeah completely hateable and you eat as a shark and it's like great <laughs> yeah they don't do a lot of of that kind of that kind of of shtick um which i hate because like i mean whatever it's not the odds it's not the teens anymore like i i do hate that like um like, I feel like in years past, it would have been like, well, we want to avoid problematic things. And it's like the, the, the term problematic is so much lost. Any sort yes. of yes. meaning that I've ever had or usefulness. It's like talking about privilege. It's like it's like, yes, that, that yes. Or that is 100 percent a thing we need to talk about. But the way that this is talked about now is like it's been so utterly defanged in any. We sort do of need to talk about manner. that. But no way will you be talking about that. Like, it's like uh, yeah. the person who just brought that up. You just like take a seat. We won't talk about privilege with you right now. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, and so, like the, um, in part because it's been just so co-opted. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and like you can, you can just bring it up in, uh, you can bring it up in like uh, meetings about like you know corporate culture. Like, have you like in, in this corporate culture we check our privilege because like it's like you know yeah. th- th- there's nothing radical about it. One of my favorite dumb tweets from this this past week was someone basically going like, uh, you know, like when, when you say like, fuck, fuck cops or whatever, uh, yes. some of those cops are people of color and women and queer. And you're like, wow. Yeah. This is what you get when all you've done is internalized this kind of rule set for representational politics without actually internalizing like what any of this. Oh, that was such a, that was such a good tweet. Yeah, it was it was good. I almost felt bad for the guy who wrote it, but whatever. Anyway, the um, you're way too nice. <laughs> the um, you're way too nice. I am way too nice. This is my problem. My therapist is telling me to stop being as nice. Really? The um, no. Well, less that. Yeah, let's let's spend twenty minutes talking about my. <laughs> no more, and I knew this, but more that I um, tend to give people the benefit of the. Ah, yes. Well, um, yes. I. And uh, and I will uh, not make excuses for them, but I will make excuses for why I shouldn't be angry at them. I better I, way of putting it like not excusing their behavior, but but not accepting that I actually have a right to be angry. I so uh, relate to that. That is <laughs> well. And yeah, I think yeah. that this game about a fish of pure rage, just a an utter murder machine fish which single-mindedly I am here to eat everything. Right. Like I, I feel like your fish has like personality, but like not a ton. They don't personify your fish. No, your fish, your fish is a, is a, is a lady fish. That's one thing we know. One thing. And she, is a lady. she loves to eat everything. 
Yep, including sludge and sewage. If it's in like those little mo- little boxes you can find. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like how occasionally Parnell will kind of like chastise you and be like, "If the shark ate a more balanced diet, she wouldn't need to eat this." <laughs> um, um, I haven't gotten any of those yet, but that's great. Oh, it's yeah. Um, the um, but like they don't say like this shark misses uh, her mother, and that's why. This it's it's just like no like this this beast has just been this has been set in motion right and this thing is just going to keep killing and eating and eating and eating and eating and some of it's just like wow what a weird creature and some of it is like and this was created by humans via human you know greed and violence and uh, and their assumption that they own the world and they they own the land uh, there's later on there's a they get into making a lot of jokes about who owns and has rights to coastline essentially mm-hmm. uh, uh, basically talking about the commons and, and going and like making a, they make a, a lot of humor about how the, the commons just don't exist and increasingly shoreline is only accessible by the super wealthy and the hyper wealthy and the mega ultra wealthy yeah 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 um, they, they make a whole lot of jokes about that, like to the extent that later on, like it is really like if you walk away not knowing what this game is trying to tell you, you must have had the narration off the entire time. Even if no. what what are what are you taking from all the like the uh, so like I did have I did have some performance issues with that, as I said, um, please no one clip that. Uh, and uh, the um, <laughs> the um, <laughs> uh, the. Um, the one thing about it was like I I was like well I guess you know sometimes when a game isn't properly optimized I'll I'll just like lower the settings on it right um, and and it'll be fine to play with you know whatever like low settings um, but I tried it on this and low settings is a really bad way to play this game because you just it just is like looking at sludge like it it really feels like you are looking at something very brown and the reason it looks like that is because that's what it is like the details in the in the higher resolutions are like nice you can like see the rock formations and stuff like that but they're just like you're swimming in these horrible like pits there's never like a nice place you're swimming it's not echo the dolphin see later in the game later in the game you're gonna get to some bright sparkly waters sparkly blue waters later on um and stuff in fact the the guy makes comments about it he's like they say the water here is gin clip (laughs) um and stuff like you, you do eventually get okay. out in okay. uh, out into and there's you eventually get out into the Gulf itself. But the earlier areas by land are just incredibly grotesque. Th- yeah, well, there, it's a muddy bayou, and then Dead Horse Lake is like I said, just like a, a toxic waste yeah. dump, and it looks yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, it. It definitely clears up as you get out into the, like the more like the richer areas. It's also very tied to economics too, like. But when you get to like the richest area, yeah, it's just like pristine glittering canals and stuff <laughs> um, and 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 all that. It, it is not even subtle in that sense. Like as the income goes up, um, the water itself is cleaner. Oh, what I, what I like about it, though, too, is like there's there's nothing like there's nothing winking about this. Right. Like it's funny, but it's funny in the way that something like I don't know, like um trying to think of a good example of this like uh, horror movies will sometimes do like comedy horror will sometimes make class analysis like that's just kind of funny um trauma movies do this but trauma movies are kind of a weird case 
Uh, <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Trauma movies are kind of a weird. Yeah, I, uh, you know what? I yeah, in general, I take, in every in every possible. I take way, it back. Yeah. They're all actually very normal. Uh, <laughs> the, the most normal movies possible. <laughs> but like, uh, I don't know. Like even like something like Tremors or something like that. Right? Like there's there is a kind of like joke at the expense of the rich in a lot of these movies, where like. The main characters are poor and they'll be made fun of, but the joke is actually at the expense of the rich. And and, in this game is the same way. Like it's very much, you know, you are often at the you are often being joked about by the um, by Parnell. But the real butt of Parnell's jokes always is like the terrible people who are chasing you for profit. Yeah. And by the end, honestly, it's barely the butt of jokes and just straight venom like there are things like I remember in like the Daily Show coffee table book they put out like 15 years. ago. I remember that book. I had it at some point. The one thing I remember from that was they were making fun of conservative comic strips. And there was Mallard Fillmore. If anyone's familiar with Mallard, <laughs> oh, Fillmore, Mallard who's Fillmore, a conservative Mallard duck. Classic. And uh, he says he, he, he just goes off about some sort of like, you know, fiscal fiscally responsible Republican talking point. And then the last panel is I forgot to make a joke. <laughs> Um, I love that. I and love that yeah, that's like I, I've quoted that forever. And like by the end of this game, like it's like, yeah, his tone of voice is jokey, but there are definitely parts where it's like, yeah, there's no joke here. It's just like, you know, it's like it's like, yes, the, the gulf is being uh, destroyed. But uh, have you seen these profits <laughs> like that? It's it, it's not at all trying to be artful by the end of it. Like there, there's literally a point where so you can find these locations underground and or underwater and there there there's usually like memes and jokes and pop culture references and whatever and there's just one where there's um someone is there's a skeleton great like posed skeleton content yeah i I found i found the swan boats or the the flamingo love boat skeleton where parnell says like until a number of uh until a number of police that districts uh figure out uh you know jurisdiction this will be a popular hotspot for <laughs> for snorkelers who want to take pictures yeah there's there's a lot of like skeletons that like maintain their like, connectedness and articulation underwater even though they're just skeletons it's very much like if you enjoy that aspect of like the fallout games uh you will find a lot yeah here but the um uh, but one of them is just someone who is like looks like they're bare. I, I, I don't remember exactly what it was. But they're buried like in, under like maybe shopping bags or something or whatever. And the the line is just blah blah blah. Late stage capitalism. You get <laughs> and stuff. So what I, what I love about this though is that like it it's a game that is so unpretentious at its core, where it's just like. The game Maneater is a game where you are a shark and you get to eat people and it is bloody and goofy and fun. And like we were talking about this before where it, it feels like those and we, you, you mentioned it here too. Like it feels like those double A games where like it's clearly not the level of polish of a triple A game and, and not the level of pretension of a triple A game. But it's it's more than an indie game. Like the sort of like approach here is bigger budget than that. So it's like. It's just that the space where it can be really weird, like it can feel very strange and fun and different to play because it's like kind of betraying two levels of expectation. And and like I I think the coolest part about that is like they are very open in the game about how um, they're very open in the game about how fun this all is. Like, 
you know, like, oh, do a barrel roll to get away from shots. Like, oh, you ate that guy. Like, good, good nutrients. Like, it's very funny. But because it's so goofy and because it's so, like, openly, like, about having a good time, it doesn't matter if the message is ham-fisted or nuanced or whatever because it's just, like, it's a bonus. Makes it better. Yeah. Like, this is not the game that you want subtle. No. Like, subtlety is not always good. Like, sometimes you, like, this is, like, I, I make this joke about my other artsy indie game peers that, like, sometimes you don't actually have to make a metaphor for capitalism at in your, you know, ballet. <laughs> platformer like you don't have to somehow find a mechanical way to express something or whatever you can just have your character say it it's cool if you if you do the other way too but it's it's certainly not the only way of doing things and i feel like if this game had tried to be more clever oh it would have been a flop really is good it is it is on the level of the dinosaurs attacks cards (laughs) the 80s and I have a strong love for that kind of feel, that kind of like, this is a bloody, gory mess, and we are having a very, very, very good time with it. Yeah. It, it is gleeful. Yeah. We are not trying to be edgy or dark. It is not a dark game at all. For the fact that it's about murder and blood, it is not remotely dark. Like Even to the point that like some of the people are saying like Bugs Bunny style things when you're like you could be ripping a person apart and they'll be like, ah, worst vacation ever. Like, yeah, it's like really goofy stuff. Yeah. One of my favorite things ever. And again, this is probably just a random bark that got tri- that got triggered was I um, was playing this earlier today to just because I keep going back. to You can say it's for prep, but I know it's just because it's fun. Yeah, it was just very fun. And I needed to take my mind off of that yeah. today. And so I was um, uh, swimming around. And one of the things you do, it's, it's got that great thing that all these like games have, which is the GTA star building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, infamy. Building. Yeah. In, in this one, you build infamy, and that brings out ever more uh, impressive hunters to take you down. And it's funny, because really with these hunters, you can still just dive onto their boat and eat them. And you Yeah, they'll be, they'll be like level 18 hunters, and you just grab them and eat them. Yeah, just 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 devour them. And the uh, but um, and I was swimming behind this like some sort of speedboat in this back canal somewhere between like uh, Dead Horse Lake and somewhere else. And I jumped out and snatched one of the people off um, the boat. And that just like makes everyone else in the boat just be like, oh. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming. And at one point, like I'm, I'm still just kind of like, circling around them and stuff. And uh at one point, they just stop, and the one woman goes, "Don't, don't provoke." Me. <laughs> funny, I'm like, I literally already leapt up and devoured one of your dudes, and you're like, "Shh, that's really funny." <laughs> yeah, it's so good. The um, um, what I what's interesting about this game is it falls into a larger category of games, and this isn't new, but I feel like right now it's newly visible. Um, where it's it, these are games that do have a class analysis and are cognizant of the failures of capitalism without being in your, like overtly Marxist in any sort of right. way. Like they're not like, this is not a game that's like talking about production or something or like ownership. It, it's a game that has a lot to say about like inequality and um, joking about uh, consumption and all this stuff. And it's kind of like this, this generalness. And again, I don't know anything about these developers, so who knows like what they're yeah, so this is not me imparting politics to them right personally or anything right. but like it's that thing of the like um a general sense right now of the like you're right up on the line of recognizing 
that this all ties together into one big problem um, that traces its way back to capitalism as we currently know it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, basically, or anywhere. And, like, the cool thing about this is, like... To, to stay in my lane, I'll just... <laughs> but, you know. I mean, the cool thing about this is it is it at least... I think the nice thing about Maneater is... And, and like, I'm a, I'm a big read theory guy. I'm a big, like, sort of, like, know your history guy and stuff like that. Like, I'm not saying you should always do this, but definitely for, like, the kind of, like, blockbuster, let's have a good time, sort of, like, fun game... Um, and not that this is a blockbuster game, but like the the idea of like the the kind of like blockbuster film made into a game, let's say, um, like what's 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 really appealing about that is like it's not like you have to be like, well, um, it, you know, do I have to understand this like complicated metaphor to understand the critique? Instead, it's just like, don't we all hate like, hey, hey, gang, don't we all hate consumerism? Don't we all hate like how? things are being polluted and then it's just like yeah and you gotta just go from there which i mean yes it's not like as nuanced and and lacks some impact that other things would have in other situations but for a video game that's trying to get across this message it works really well it's definitely the kind of thing where i personally find my like so like uh, i think an opposite version of something like this would be disco mm-hmm, Elysium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a really great example. You've talked about at length on this podcast. We, yeah, we probably... I, I have to play it first before we do that. What I the know, fuck, I know, man? I, was, I, never, I didn't want to tell you. Okay, yeah. You should go play Disco Elysium, probably. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I, I've rarely gotten angry at someone that they haven't played something. But, like, <laughs> this is... Uh, this is the most this podcast. I know, I know. Ever. People keep telling me, <laughs> <laughs> like it is. It is bizarre to me that like, you haven't played Disco Elysium. If you need someone back for the Disco Elysium yeah, I'll, podcast, I'll and you want you to go five that. hours, I will one thousand percent come back for that. But I think the one comment I always get on the podcast is, "Why don't you bring Scott back again? Please bring Scott back again." So, oh, that's good. I'll do that. Um, that, that's that. Just thank thank you to my adoring fan, <laughs> but the um. Uh, but like, um, I, I think Disco Elysium is something Disco Elysium also has, um, a lot of things to say about capital and, um, a lot of other things, uh, and it's not subtle about it. Um, but it is, it is a lot more, it's a much more, um, sophisticated cause that makes it sound like that, that makes it sound like what this is doing isn't good, but it's, it's heady, more, right? Like it, it's, it's more heady and a bit more mm-hmm. literary in how mm-hmm. it, how it um, how it approaches it, and I think it does a really fascinating job with it. Um, and what I like about uh, Disco Elysium, to spoil, is one of the things I like about it is like even if you don't like some of the stuff it says, or if you don't, if you're not kind of into its analysis, or if you're not into this or that, it it, it rewards being engaged. Mm. And I not to slander the the medium I work in, but a lot of times we are really searching for something to connect to in games. Like it's not that it isn't there; it's just the like, oh god, can we get an hour out of talking about this game? Like by trying to read something into oh, it, yeah, or something, yeah. Um, because there's only so much there, and so you're used to kind of you know, it's it's like a lot of like kind of pro- proliferation of like pop culture studies over the past decade or two. Where it's like the uh, yeah I guess you could you could talk about how Independence Day 1995 or 1996 or whatever makes complex arguments about, the, about blah 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 but it's like you you are really meeting it way more than half oh yeah no 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 and I think like this Disco Elysium you're not meeting more than halfway it, it is actually you're definitely meeting that one 
where it where it should be met. And I feel like Maneater is like the opposite end of that, where it's like Maneater tells you exactly what it is and why it's fun to 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 be there and to do that. And it's uh and it it's it's happy to have you <laughs> and you're having a good time and it's super fun and is not trying to uh, you know, like wh- when we talk about Manator, we don't actually have to like really try to find the really like difficult reading here. It It is what it is like. And it's what it is, is just very, very good. And there's something that I really like about that, because if there's anything, I think that um, a- as a creator, I, I, t- I try to 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 hew a little closer, I guess, to the Maneater school of things <laughs> in the sense of like the you really should not have to. You, you shouldn't have to have done the reading first, necessarily. Right. And I think it's good to make games that have done the reading. And by the way, I don't want to say that Disco Elysium makes you do this either, because it doesn't. But the um, I um, I like the idea that Maneater can can just be like, this is a fun game about sharks, and also here's what we have to say about the rest of this. And, uh, and you're going to r- r- run around in kind of the embodiment of this idea, and we're going to kind of uh, point it out and joke about it the whole time. And uh, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think, I think the thing beautiful about this. There's, there's a lot in like, I, I don't know. Like, I and I, I don't have anything specific in mind, so I don't really feel like I'm, I'm in danger of making fun of someone here. And like, that's certainly the last thing I'd want to do. But there is like, there is a reading of games, particularly like recent games or like recent big games, right? Like, this happened a lot. I, th- I feel, and I didn't read a lot about it because I maybe I was worried about it. So maybe I'm, you know, uh, protesting too much here. But I feel like this happened a lot with uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake, where people were like, "What's this tell us about games?" Or like, or like to bring up something we talked about off off air, like Half Life Alex. When I wrote about Half Life Alex, a lot of the other reviews were like, "How does this change games forever? Like, what is what is this like? What does this epistemologically do to games?" And it's like, yeah, well, nothing. But like, it it feels weird to just say like, "Yeah, it's another game." Like. It was fun in this way and not fun in this way, um, because then it's like, well, like, am I just doing the stuff that like they used to do on GameSpot? Like, what are what are we doing here if we're doing intellectual games journalism or whatever? And like, I feel like one of the things you have to do if you're being like a serious intellectual, and, and you know, this is just my own thinking, um, is you have to like you have to be willing to say at some point like, yeah, this is like this is simple or this is hard or whatever, but like. It is what it is. Like it's, there's no more to Maneater than what Maneater gives you, and that doesn't make it bad. It just makes it like. And you could do all kinds of readings sure. and stuff, but you're definitely bringing that to the yeah. Piece. You're you're bringing that to to the piece, and I I feel like I, I talked about this with someone else recently in a, in a completely different context, but I feel like in larger art discourse and pop culture discourse talking about this kind of thing the notion of viewing something through a specific lens or a specific reading as opposed to let's argue about what the thing is mm-hmm. is has been lost yeah, a little agreed. bit like yeah. man eater tells you exactly what it is it, and we can read it in a, a bunch of different ways there's certainly all kinds of different readings we can bring to it and stuff but man eater clearly is like yep this is what we are trying to do and here's what we did and you can you can rate it by how successfully it did or didn't do that, or maybe it unintentionally does something else or whatever, but you are not having to necessarily argue about what Maneater is trying oh, to tell yeah. you. Oh, yeah, no, something. not at all. And, like, yeah, not at all. I remember talking about... Actually, it was about Final Fantasy VII. I was talking with someone, I forget, um, another friend who does, like, criticism or analysis, and 
And we're talking about like the yeah, like the kind of like um, the the queer aspects of Final Fantasy mm. VII, which are totally there, but um, are also largely like you're viewing it through a lens because it's not necessarily textual. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. it's it's there, but you also it, it's it's not something that the game is like explicitly saying. Yeah, this, this is what I'm doing. Nor is there really any, as far as I know evidence that that was an intent or something it's like no they're there it's there but you're you're looking at it through a lens and doing a reading and that's interesting and so we don't actually have to argue about what it is in that sense it's like is final fantasy 7 a queer game it's like it depends on what you mean by that but we're talking about it as in a reading because uh as opposed to because we're kind of also going a little bit beyond the text when we talk about it in right exactly ways. um it's right. so like how could this be interpreted so it's like you and I can talk about Maneater and go pretty probably heavily into the t- anti-capitalist themes and all that and stuff. Um, and they may, they, they may have meant that or something, but what, what I appreciate about Maneater is that it is so upfront about exactly what it is saying, take it or leave it, it is, it is a game about this. And it basically tells you over the end credits, this is what the game was, <laughs> but we had fun, didn't we? See? I, really, I really like, too, that like <laughs> it's not one of those games that... that like um uh, i'm losing my words uh it's not one of those games that glorifies the violence by saying like oh wasn't this violence very meaningful to you like wasn't it very important it it reminds me of um i don't know if you if you read any uh manga uh but i've started because i've i've gotten into Uh, you know what i read the level of manga that i call it manga ah yes well that's that's a cool thing to call it though um well, there's a great manga that I think you'd like called. Uh, actually, I, I think you'd like it a lot. Called uh, Dora Hedoro, um, and Dora Hedoro is great. I mean, I don't have to go. In, I don't want to go into it too much now. But um, I haven't finished it yet. But it is. It's basically just like this very strange story about a man with a big lizard head and all of his friends and okay. magic and stuff like that. And uh, you, you had me a big lizard, <laughs> but it's also very violent. And like the violence in it is not at all like hyper serious like it 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 looks gory it, it it has like those violent aspects but like never does it like you know pull back and say like isn't this meaningful like don't you think don't you think there's something meaningful about the expression of violence and like i feel like man eater does the same thing where it's like it shows you instantly how violent the game's going to be and if you don't like it within those first 10 minutes if that puts you off you probably still can return the game <laughs> Like it, it, that's what the game's going to be. It's you'll get an idea of the tone of this game right off the bat. Yeah. I feel like you could watch a trailer and get an idea of whether or not you'd like this game, which is not common. Um, but yeah, it is, it is very, I don't know. Like it is, it is very clear about what it is. It's very clear about what it, um, what it intends to show you and what it intends to like provide with its gameplay. And like, it just follows through on that. It's a very simple thing it follows through on, but it lays it out for you and follows through on it. And it's just yeah. very fun while doing it. And, and I like that. And it's gotten me thinking a lot about um, a few things. I, I think like Man Eater came around. It was one of those games that just happened to come around through no fault of its own in a time when it really made a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, the fact that this game about unrestrained destructive rage at what these structures and these people have put you through and the structures that you live within and so your only recourse then is to just keep going <laughs> um i feel like that's you know not even to like compare it to like the rights and everything it's obviously a bit more complex but just how we're feeling in general i feel like 
the thing of like the yeah there's no the shark is not going to reform shit right like this is not a shark that's got that it has a lot of solutions necessarily this isn't about saving the world yeah no this is if you are saving the world it's by uh mur- it's by eating everything <laughs> but i wouldn't also say this is like a nihilistic game it's not it's not a game where it's like therefore everything's fucked it is very much like uh, humans are fucked if they don't stop doing this, and as such, are probably fucked because there's no, uh, I there's no like, there, I mean, there's literally like lines later on. It's like the where it really it, the game is essentially uh, by the end, like yeah, eat all these people. They're fucking assholes. They're ruining the earth and your home, and they've done this to you. And if you don't kill them, climate change is going to kill them anyway. I mean, <laughs> that level of w- what's funny though is it somehow doesn't seem as like black pilled is all that like it doesn't seem like uh you know there's no hope so whatever just destroy everything but it is literally kind of what the game has you do like the game does provide you no solutions at all because you're not uh, a human yeah it's not with it, there, there's there's a way that the game is just like what it does is it provides you a place to just like get some anger out like it it is truly just a thing where it's like listen like just uh just be angry, get mad. Uh, it's okay. Like, here's the way to get some of that stress out. Um, and I'm not, we're not going to make it meaningful for you. It's like, yeah. It, and it doesn't ever say like, but what if the shark is wrong? Yeah, exactly. Or like, it doesn't like, I really like doom 2016 a lot. And, and, and I think it's a great game for a lot of reasons. Um, the plot and it's fine and like kind of interesting in its own way. Like thinking about like, Oh, what is, is doom guy? Like a, a myth or whatever. But, like, there is something to be said about, like, original Doom. And I, from what I can tell, I haven't played it yet, but uh, the, the new Doom. Um, I played a little bit of it, and there was a lot of story. Oh, there was? So I, I, I want to, like, people tell me that it, like, it, it stops further in. But, like, at the beginning, there was, like, fucking lore. I ran into, like, four speaking characters already. Ugh, yeah. Stuff. Like, it, apparently, it, it, uh, they, apparently, they do a good job of it, and it kind of levels up. It eases up. Okay. It, it, it was it was front loaded with with a lot of talking and new characters and lore and mythology and stuff and um, I, I kind of it just wasn't my thing. But that's like uh, th- th- that's kind of like what I mean. Like it, <clears throat> these are games where you're just shooting things to shoot them, and like I feel like part of part of the turn to making these games like intellectually compelling on some level is to respond to that that old chestnut of like, well, what are you doing? Just like shooting people, isn't that like just like mindless violence really bad for you Oops. yeah yeah it's like ah, you know what like maybe the mindless violence isn't bad for me maybe it's okay like maybe i could just do this maybe it really depends on content yeah like maybe like everything like there is completely artful ways to do this like but, and interesting and fun and stupid ways to do this that are okay and like i think that man eater like so like as someone like people who don't know um, so I work in video games, um, which is a. <laughs> it would be amazing if someone was hearing this and did not know that you work in video games. Yes, yeah, true. Somehow um, they just like wandered onto my podcast. And they're like, oh, "What's this about?" If you want to talk about like about what a rid- politics, a ridiculous job is, try making video games in 2020 with like everything that's happening, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm making video games," but whatever, it's a job, and we just do our best with it. So, um, and the games we make tend to. Um, I don't know. I don't know what what I would describe them as tone wise, um, but like they're literary ish in some ways, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that there's just a lot of like, I don't know, 
Maybe I could just call it literary because there's a lot of words, but well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, like it's a, very it's very literate. I'll say that like there's it it, it, it got like we we tried to have like themes and like, yeah, you have to care about characters and stuff and all this stuff and like you know commentary. We we try to do all this stuff not because we're trying to be anything, but just like, that's what's interesting to us. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what comes out. You know, pretty pretty regularly with us, and we we find like really um rewarding to make and stuff and um. And we're at least mildly okay at it. And it's kind of a, sorry. You're very good at it. It's kind of a low bar in games, like, for for this kind of stuff, because they're don't, a lot. Don't listen to Scott. They're excellent at it. Come on. So, no, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> so there, there you go. That's the other therapist thing, is I need to stop downplaying uh, everything I do. But the... It's um, really unfortunate that we're the exact same people. But But when it comes to, like... Like, actually... But, but at the same time, I remember, like, Jonathan Blow... Um, this had some sort of fucking insufferable thing. Jonathan Blow did? I can't believe it. <laughs> um, he said something like, "Like I want to make games for people who like who have read Gravity's Rainbow or something. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, fine, but fuck off. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, it's like the... Like I like I I want to make it for a uh, for for people who were like I guess literate in or like in or, in, or cultured in some fashion or whatever. And like... I'm always very much like wanting to make games for people who are feeling something or maybe uh, just want to like be someplace or whatever. It's not like we don't say have a, it's not like we don't say a lot. Cause we certainly do. And we but put a lot of thought into our themes and what we're saying and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, we're also not trying to inform the player that they are very smart and cool and they're not like those other games. <laughs> you know, whereas Jonathan Blow certainly is like I always see us what we're doing is a lot more like being in like a band or something. Mm-hmm like making some sort of weird comic or I come out of like indie animation, which is a lot of weird shit. And like that kind of like that, that kind of, I think follows through at least in our parts of what we're doing. And that's why I think man eater kind of appeals to me because it is like, we have a lot to say about this, but we're not, and we're not going to equivocate on it. It's not like something like even like the outer world, which is like the, uh Oh, what if reform, but Oh, what if too much or something? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Kind of thing. the outer worlds is very clear about its yeah it wants to it wants to play both sides yeah well i mean outer worlds is like is the liz warren game <laughs> it kind of it, it it's got that kind of thing where it's like the problem is monopolies <laughs> that kind of thing it's like it, it's um it's and but we, we also we can't get too radical though um kind of kind of thing because all those people that are radical are secretly trying to use you or do something or they're secretly mean or something right and that's they're all agitators is just uh no one can use you because you're the apex predator motive has nothing to do with it i'm the apex predator basically to defend yourself and then you just fucking keep going to like i mean by the end you are like a 30 foot long mutant shark that can like leap that can do a triple jump out of the water and um turn into electricity and um you know, when you like when you have like a certain things on, if you like breach into the water and then slam back down like a huge like flame, we- like wave goes out from you. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, but like it, it, gets- it really is like it's just I, I think like the the trick here is like it's not what people forget a lot about video games. Right. Is like they think that because the medium has been so, um, I don't know, derided in the past. That like somehow you have to make something that denies the medium somehow. Like it has to it can't 
it can't possibly just be a video game. That would be like, yeah, that would be. If it is a video game, it's some sort of like, you know, or, or if it is something that is like purely like very like mechanics focused and everything, then you are making some sort of statement by it being mechanics focused. Right. Exactly. Um, whereas like really most good literature is um, or most good literature, excuse me, most good art is like concerned both with like its claims and its medium where like yeah. it matters that you are, I don't know, like it matters that you're dealing with the fact that it's a novel and writing a story. It matters that you're like caring about the thing as a film and also making a film like, yeah. and that's why to me, that's why man eater works. Cause it's like, yeah, it's goofy and like kind of silly and all for, for sure. Like it's not like, but it also, 100% is like, yeah, well, this is a video game. Like, yeah. this is nothing but a video game. Like this. Yeah. Like, it is It is so deliberate in, in, in its tone. And it's not like it's, like, the only game that will come out this year that's kind of, like, a goofy, hey, we're very video gamey thing. It's, like, that's very common. But it's just the way that it does it while being so in-your-face about its politics. Yeah, it, like, it, it, it doesn't take an inch back either way. Like, it's it's... It doesn't it doesn't ironize being a video game and it doesn't ironize its politics. Somehow it is able to be earnest about both. Yeah, and it's and it's really great for that reason. Like it, it does remind me of like of like a really good horror or action movie that I mean, I guess you could actually say this is basically a horror action game. <laughs> yeah, it's basically Jaws for the Revenge if that was a good movie. Yeah. It is. It's that kind of thing. It knows that it's kind of like it's a little, it's kind of trashy and silly. And stuff, and it's great, and it doesn't make apologies for that. Uh, it, it's not defensive about no. That. Like, I hate like art that's like really defensive about being low. That's a really really good point. Yeah, it's not defensive at all. It's just it it literally shows its cards instantly. Yeah, and it's great, and like I think that like lowbrow art is amazing and good and great, and it's always like an influence on anything I I do. Like I'm like I don't think I've made anything in my career in games that was trying to convince anyone that I was particularly smart <laughs> ever it comes out in like what I'm doing or if it do- or it doesn't you know it's, yeah it, that's fine um the um and I feel like Maneater has this level of confidence to it to just be a dumb game and but in a way that is um like it, it I don't know how to say this it's like Saying it's a dumb game sounds like you're dinging it, even if you're saying that it's a po- that it's a positive thing. But like, it's unpretentious, it's goofy, and it knows that it is. But it also isn't like, "Hey gamers, what's up?" or something. Yeah, not it's not flattering you, the gamer, for enjoying your gaming or something necessarily, or that kind of thing. It's just, "Hey, aren't we having fun?" In that way, it reminds me of a little bit of Doom's 2016. Which yeah very very much was eschewing it, it had like it was all about kind of like you know violence but also like extractive economies and um yeah and i think like the that, thing about doom 2016 though as opposed to this is like the man eater has even less plot and i think like it kind of hit upon something there whereas like the things that didn't work in doom 2016 were like okay so like who's the demon like where did i meet this person before like does this oh oh from the ship okay like then who am i like that was a game that was not clearly not interested in answering those questions but sort of felt it needed to pose them whereas man eater like i i think like you know uh, i'm trying to think of like 
how to best say this. I feel like I had a, had it a second ago, but it, it, it's it's a very slippery thing to try and pin down. It's like it's like um, these are games that are just like very okay with being genre, very okay with being like the thing they are. And like good genre fiction, then what happens in the cracks and what happens like differently in them as opposed to other action games or whatever, like that's the thing that stands out. And so like mm-hmm. they're. I mean, they they just operate like art does, which is yeah wild to think about. Like you know, standard bearers of like art games like Braid um, or other Jonathan Blow games that I don't honestly know what they are. Um, There's uh, the other one where you're connecting lines in the environment. I've already forgotten what it's called. Wow, that sounds bad. <laughs> it's. It's whichever one that someone did a video where they like in that video, you're, you're unlocking kind of a lot of like rationalist, if I remember correctly, and like humanist type of philosophers and people talking about like mindfulness and stuff. And as someone who's very humanisty, I'm like, oh, I have, I have a little bit of time for that. But this is in like the, the really annoying TED talky way. Yeah, sure. Of course. Or something. Of course. And um, so, I mean, what, why would it be anything else? And uh, someone at one point um went and uh, replaced one of the videos in a, in, in a video of it with um, DJ Khaled giving you like a little motivational talk. <laughs> and I remember watching it and going, God, this is, this is from a, a an infinitely, like a dimension of infinitely better games. <laughs> like, like just like this game that is just really trying to like, you know, be profound and like just hitting you over the head with it. And in in a bad way, like I'm all for like profundity and trying to say something that's like like um, poignant and beautiful and and significant and all these different things. But like um, there's like kind of how you do it matters and stuff. Yeah. And G.J. Khaled being like another one and another one and another one. And I'm like, God, this is like imagining a game, uh, imagining an indie space that wasn't so like petrifyingly white. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like or something even that where 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 I was just I was just like oh it's DJ Khaled this guy's not white <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a prestige indie game what's going on here like it's it's kind of just like it's this kind of cultural thing where you're you're just like I am just so used to a really particular kind of vibe to things and this 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 kind of goofy joke with DJ Khaled giving you an, an one of his insane motivational talks yeah, they're so good <laughs> Is um it, it it was a weird breath of fresh air you know honestly and I was like God I would I would be so much more into trying to get get into this game if it was like this instead if it wasn't trying to explain to me how important it was yeah right and and I mean like it is it is a it is a thing where you know like anything that is said in like a I played this game called uh we went back which was I played because I don't really know why I played it it was free. And I thought, like, well, I'll just give it a try, whatever. I'm playing a game called Before We Leave. Oh, okay, wow. Maybe, 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 bef- maybe we went back as the sequel. <laughs> I maybe. Uh, I don't think so, but yes, let's say it is. Um, now, officially, canonically, it's the sequel. We'll have to inform the devs. Know anything about this game that you're talking? It's a. It's just like a first-person game, and it's like a, a horror game, I guess, and it takes place in space. But like, it it instead of just being like a horror game that takes place in space, even like just like a walking simulator, which it, which it is, um, it like, it constantly throws these like heady references to like that golden record that was sent up and like how the moon works and stuff. And it's just like, 
you really just felt like you needed to include this so people didn't say you were dumb, huh? Like, it was a little bit. This is what this is what this is here for. Like, you're you're just doing this so people won't go, oh, video game. That's that's for like uh, dumb guys. And you can say like, no, actually, it's for like really smart people. Do you know what the golden record is? And like, it, this game like is is so uninterested in that conversation. And I feel like because of that, like Maneater is ultra unique. Like, I, it seems to me like almost any like quote unquote smart game is is obsessed with the idea of convincing you that like uh it knows it's smart you know it's smart and you both know video games are dumb and like hmm. please please don't worry i know who you are i know that you are smart too um please be comfortable in my smart smart game there's a little bit of that in a lot of games yeah um i feel like it's it was one of those things that like spec ops is a really great example yeah of that i yeah. think at the time of the like and i it's funny because like so i'm saying this i'm not even necessarily faulting the creators for this i think this is a lot this is really easy to fall into with a lot of art in general particularly things that are considered lowbrow yeah um which a lot of my favorite stuff is falls into um we started off making something pretty lowbrow and now we're older and we've tried to and we've done the our our understanding of it and we we've become kind of maybe more interesting and stuff and that that's that's leaked into our lowbrow shit so like the band fucked up is one of my favorite examples uh, it's a great band um one of my favorite bands maybe my maybe my favorite band of this of this century i'm really i'm very surprised that you like this band that uh that does like uh riffs on 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 biblical imagery and sort of like uh secular ways it's like it's, it's weird to me that's like that doesn't sound like something you'd like they um but so they started off there's this hardcore band from Toronto and stuff, but like all their their stuff grew into like it's like I, I always like call them like a hardcore prog rock or it's like symphonic almost, yeah. Yeah, like go listen to Chemistry of Common Life, just that album. It's one of my favorite albums ever, top ten. Um I can just listen to it forever and ever. Like that game that that um that that album's songs like that is like let's stack twenty five guitars on top of each other. <laughs> Uh, Crooked Head, the kind of middle, like, of that song, the kind of, like, middle, like, instrumental bridge is just so gloriously beautiful in, like, just how, like, punishing it is and how, like, beautiful it is and everything. And this is, like, but it, this is built on a basis of a band that was a hardcore yeah, band. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you can you can hear that in it. It's still a hardcore band, but... It is now gone. Okay, cool, but like we we've become more interesting and stuff. And their early hardcore shit is great uh, too. Like um, I get no pass around in my head all the time for whatever reason. And um, the uh, and but once you get to something like um, Chemistry or Common Life, they they've stretched out and they're doing interesting, cool things with it. But they're still totally okay with being a hardcore band, right? Right, band that is right. gleefully a hardcore band uh, and stuff. They've brought in all these other stuff, but they are. They're, they're more interesting now. They're, they're kind of cool. It reminds me of, like, Nick Cave post, like, birthday party. And yep, too. yep. It was like the, oh, yeah, you came out of... And I remember ages ago, I was hanging out with my friend Dan, and we were talking about how... I, I was having a hard time meeting people in video... This, this is a weird thing for, like, a 30-something to talk about. But I was talking about how, like, I had hung out in video games, like, for a couple of years. We kind of fell into doing this. We didn't seek to come, get into video games. It just kind of happened through a variety of circumstances. Right. And... Right. I was kind of complaining to him. I'm like, yeah, like when I go to these kind of conferences, I have like a hard time meeting people and like befriending people and stuff. I'm like, it's not because I'm like super shy. I just like, I'm like, I feel like I'm like, it's weird being like, I'm like, can I not relate to people? Can I not do this? 
And Dan was like, well, here's the thing, man. Um, and I was like, all right, what, <laughs> lay it on me, Dan. <laughs> like, okay, a while ago. So Dan, like, skater, punk guy, came up in, like, some, in, like, Punk Satani PA. Oh, classic. Uh, Punksy. <laughs> no one's that proud of Punksy, but the... Uh, no. <laughs> the, the Groundhog probably is. Oh, yeah, it's true. A bunch of people just go get drunk overnight and freeze to death and look at the Groundhog. But the... Um, but uh, Dan, like, kind of runs a screen printing shop now. They throw shows there. Uh, just all around good guy. Good friend of ours. We worked with forever. If you've ever bought a shirt that I've made or drawn, uh, Dan's company printed it. So um, the uh, Dan was like, so, yeah, we were like, I was at, like, some sort of show. I, I forget if, he, if his old band was playing it or not. But they were playing with two bands, and they sounded really identical. Or they sounded really similar to each other. They were kind of like... Uh, post hardcore or like rock kind of like noodling around type stuff and Dan was trying to figure out why he liked one of them and not the other and like why he could kind of like get along with the guys better huh. and stuff and he's he's like he's like there's something he's like they sound like really similar but for some reason one's just got something and I can't and that I can kind of grab onto and I can't figure out what it was and, and, and one guy was like oh they used to be a punk band and they never were <laughs> band <laughs> And he's he's like he's like he's like that he's like that's it he's like that's the difference it's like it's 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 a different it's not like oh I'm, I'm not trying to like lionize punk here but I am saying that like where you come out of and what you're comfortable being and maybe you kind of grow out of does inform a lot of what you become yeah and stuff and I feel like um, a lot of the stuff I like comes out of stuff that I guess you would classify as lowbrow. But it are people who have been doing it for a, for a really long time and have found ways to confidently love being what they are while also growing and making it more interesting and stuff. Like, Fucked Up has not had an album. They, they've gone all over the place genre-wise and done all kinds of stuff. Like, Dose Your Dreams is fucking all over the place. That's the most recent one. And But they were never running away from being a hardcore band. Right, ever. right. Like, right. And they kept that same general vibe and spirit through the whole thing and just developed on it and... Um, and grew with it and made it more interesting and and stuff. So now when they do like a three minute like hardcore song, they're doing it with all this confidence of having done all this other stuff and added on to it. And it just makes their their hardcore shit even better now and stuff. So it's like that's kind of like, at least for me, kind of like what I strive for in a lot of art is not trying to pretend that I'm someone who I'm not or whatever. But being like, what's the kind of cool, interesting version, the unapologetic version of this thing that um, I I make with other people, at least my my contribution to it. And I, to a degree, I feel like that's like something that Maneater has. Yeah. Maneater is not a game that existed in 2009, even though like it feels in some ways like a throwback to those kind of open world crime games to for like crime games, <laughs> of crime games at, of the time. But it, it so it exists in 2020. It's not like if you made this game, then you would not have had the same messaging and you would have had to be like more edgy about it or more ironic about yeah. it or all these different things. And it's like, no, in 2020, we all know the score about what's happening in the world. We don't have to pretend at all. You know, like we know, like the world is being destroyed and it's voracious capitalism or, you know, however you want to describe it as inequality or consumer right. equals right. whatever. But like. And our um, inability, like there, there's a there's a, a point in the game late in the game where they go, um, you swim into some area and it's like construction of blah, blah, blah would have, uh, you know, um, 
seen more protest if the public had wasn't already so uh, numbed uh, uh, by uh, constant like you know disaster <laughs> news or something like that. Or something along those lines, like numb to ecological disaster or something. That's great. And it's like true. It's like this is not a game. This is not a game who's like too cool to know that there's a problem here. Right. Yeah. Like, it, 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 like, it knows that there's a problem. And it's like, yep, we're all. And here's our killer shark game about. <laughs> that's a really. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly right. Like it is. It is. It's a game that recognizes a very real problem, a very real sort of thing to talk about. And then it's like. And what we're going to do is produce something within the medium um, and, and and we're going to really enjoy ourselves. Yeah, there is a shitty version of this game that tries to be more clever about it. Oh, yeah. Clever in a lot of ways, but it's not coy. Can you imagine like there's, there'd be like a level where you're you're like, I don't know, like eating conservative protesters or something. And they're like, oh, a shark shouldn't be here. Climate change is a myth. Like. Yeah, there's like a really bad version. This somewhere in the game, but it's not like, but it's incidental. It's not right. Like, it never focuses on the act. It's never like the actual point. It's background noise. It's kind of like, and it works for that reason. It's not trying to run from its politics. It's not trying to be too clever about its politics. It is. We made a killer shark game in 2019. I guess it was, you know, or 2017 through 2019, whenever they were making the game. And we um, and it's about climate change and, and catastrophe and directly how humans are not. It's not just because there's one human that's greedy or whatever, but because this is a larger structure of people who not who benefit from it, via, even though they or who consume it in a way like you are consuming, like someone consuming a reality show about people getting eaten by. Shit. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like. <laughs> It's that kind of thing where, like, I, like, at the end, Parnell's like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, we could talk about how, you know, this is about climate catastrophe, but whatever. This is just, you know, fun. <laughs> kind of it. We'll see you next time. And it's great. There's something really honest and funny about that. Um, and it's funny because I feel like almost by talking about it, we've almost, like, somehow brought more to it than that. Like, in a way that... um diminishes it but like is like yeah this is a this is definitely a yeah this is what it's about go play it. it's a lot of fun to run around and eat people <laughs> yeah and like i i think like i think the thing i like most about about all this though is like it's a game that even if we talk about it right like even if we lay it all out like we are it's not gonna it's not gonna get worse like it's not gonna be like oh now it's ruined like you guys just ruined it by like talking it out this way uh, you're a killer shark and you go eat a bunch yeah of it's still that yeah, no. and you eat a bunch of creatures too. Oh, there's no creature oh. too large in this game that you will not eventually. eat. Yeah, I mean, you start eating creatures that I would be scared to eat if I were a shark, like turtles. Be worried. I'd be worried those were too hard for my 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 teeth, and they're not. Oh, you would be so. I know they're delicious. Larger turtles later on. Right. Um, yeah, I was finding a sperm whale at one point, and sperm whales I've learned through this game are very vicious and agile. They're they're. Yeah, they are some wild animals, man. But they, they're no joke. So how well that maps onto nature, but I like to think that they're out there just devouring huge sharks. Could be wrong. I should go Google that afterwards. <laughs> but um, I always think of that they're just like eating giant squids or something. Um, but um, there's no octopus in this game. You'd think really giant squid or something. No, all of your all of your enemies are um, free swimming. Creature. I'm very surprised they didn't do the octopus. That's that's very surprising. I feel like all the battles in it, like the I actually like the combat in the game a lot once you get used to it. Um, 
a lot of biting and smacking around and stuff. And if you can catch them in particular states, you can kind of seize them in your mouth and like thrash them around, which you know that is, is is happening because there's a big animated shark jaw closing, and it's and then it's a picture of the right stick going back and forth that says thrash, thrash, and then you and then you thrash whatever it is, and that just drains their health and stuff. Um, side note: one of the fun things I like about this game is to personify the sharks and other creatures. Like when you get hit as a shark, it it kind of particularly when you're young, it really sounds like a dog yelping. <laughs> just like, it does. Yeah, you're right. Later on, you have this huge throaty dinosaur roar, essentially. It's like, you know, because you're, you're like a dinosaur at that point. Yeah. 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 You are. You are a megalodon, basically. And um, the um, but I love how they start you off as this, this cute little shark. You're like you are an adorable. Little oh, yeah. You're so cute at the beginning. Um, and then you like if you if you want, if you want a fun time, go look at um, like kind of. Uh, pictures of you at the, at the beginning of the game and pictures of you at the end of the game. And like, this is not a game that is trying to make you look sh- like cute and relate. No, you're scary early. You are a horrifying monster by the end. Like, and I appreciate games that allow you to be this kind of agent of, I, mean, I guess it's justice, but whatever it is, the game's certainly sympathetic to you. Um, while allowing you to become really ugly. Yeah, yeah. Become yeah. like a monster. Like, this is not something where the game needs to continually explain to people why your cause is in within the confines of animal v, v- human just. Um, the um, or, or, or at least the inevitable result of what humans are doing. Like, it lets you just become a huge fine blood monster. Right, yeah. Like you're not going to learn a lesson at this at all. You can have fun. Like you're you're having fun even while yeah yeah, yeah exactly. Um, huh. Doesn't seek to redeem its violence in that way. That's a good yeah. There's no redemptive. There's no redemption to the violence because there's no apology for it. Yeah, there's no need to. There's no reason. Like I at first I was I was like I was like are they going to try to like talk about like cycles of revenge and violence and stuff? No. But no, like it really is just fuck around and find out the game. <laughs> Just hey, just keep eating, like just like like, like hey, hey humans, you, you fucked this up, and now the shark's gonna eat you. The end. You gotta really have it coming. <laughs> it 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 does spare a thought a little bit for like general, I guess, income inequality in the sense of like, which is I guess kind of just code for capitalism. But the um the but it's the kind of thing of the. Oh, yeah, there actually used to be people who lived here, but they were pushed out. Like, actually, literally, like, you go through, like, the golf course area, and there's just a lot of, like, trailer homes just, like, that were clearly shoved off the edge of the... Uh, off the edge into the water and stuff. And and there's a lot of stuff about how, like, oh, yeah, like, uh, other people used to live there. They're not even allowed to they come here anymore because it's, like, a gated community and all that stuff. Um, it's not trying to... Yeah, it's not trying to, rede- to redeem it because there's nothing to redeem. It's just okay with it. Um which in some ways, I guess, mimics what we were talking about at the beginning with like violence in, yeah. the, in, like, yeah. in destruction when it comes to being backed into a corner. It's like, well, there's nothing really to redeem here. It just is what it is. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Like it did it, it. And I think like uh, and this is sort of my final thought on it because I'm it's uh, it's late and I'm uh, losing coherence, um, which is not uh, critical of you, but critical of me for not being able to 
to hold my sleep anymore. You, dick, how dare you not be able to talk for three hours straight? Terrible. Well, the good news is we're going to have an episode within the next few weeks on Disco Elysium, so people are going to get that that double hit. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, like, that's what's so good about it is that, like, it really... It's truly uninterested in, like, defending or glorifying the violence. The violence just kind of, like, is in the way that, like, people describe sharks as, like, just moving violence or whatever. Like, that's effectively what you are. You're not personified any more than someone who just commits violence. And, like, you don't have to be. You you wouldn't have to be in any game, but you aren't here, and there's no cause for it, and there's no moral at the end other than, like, the incidental stuff. And I think, like... Most good art, in my understanding, and and it's not all good art, but much of good art uh, produces, like, meaning by way of the incidental stuff. Yeah, you don't have to necessarily sit there and explain to, yeah, like, I mean, you can just state outright what your game's about, which this game does, but you don't have to, like, sit there and, like... um, and and, and create, craft a, a a a lecture hall for lack of better words. <laughs> right. Like you you can just you can say what say what you're trying to say and and also express it through the play and through like the content and everything, which is all good. And you should totally do oh, that. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, yeah, it's super fun. And obviously, you know, no one needs to t- me to tell them this. Do whatever you want too. But <laughs> the um, but there's something where I really appreciate that. Yeah, this game does not try to justify itself at all. No. It does not no. try to redeem itself because it doesn't seem like it needs to be redeemed at all. It's just like, well, that happened. Jesus. Um, and uh, this certainly could have been avoided, but it wasn't. The end. Yeah, that's exactly. I was actually going to say the end there, too. Yeah, it, it truly is just like if there's any regret, it's just kind of like, well, yeah, I regret that it came to this. But all yeah, all this could have been avoided. The game. <laughs> This is like this is the fuck around and find out game. It's the like, like yeah, people, you you do this. This is what's going to happen. Like a shark is going to come and fucking mutate into a thirty foot long killing <laughs> and, and sink your ass and eat you. Like there's there's not much more to it than that. And there's something about a game that is so upfront about its you know its message about climate doom and capitalism. Just being really comfortable being a game about climate doom and capitalism in this, and, and also just being a killer shark game. And there's something I feel that's kind of modern about that in some way. Yeah. Like, it yeah. feel like a game in 2020. Um, no, I agree. Game, that's a really smart point. It's not trying to... It's it, it's making its points. Rather, I guess, what you'd call progressive, if, if, if not leftist or whatever points. And uh, it's also totally cool being a kind of big dumb game and it's just a really skillfully made big dumb game and it's going to tell you about uh climate change and uh and, and disaster and, that and what it's like to be a shark that eats people and what it's like to be a shark that's one of the things i liked about i mean i, I assume you've done an episode about red faction gorilla I, you know i had one scheduled with a friend and we never actually ended up doing it okay yeah uh, that's one of my favorite games of all time i really love red faction it's a good game and that also falls into the big open world open world crime type game that is Prime game about a her <laughs> uprising and overthrowing imperialist uh, capitalists, basically. I mean, and it is not a game that's like, are we the bad guy? It's like, no, they're the bad guy. <laughs> and that's why we're going to kill all of them. <laughs> that's it. Like, there's there's nothing there's nothing more to it. Like, we don't have to 
have a whole thing about how like the one guy's an ideologue and it's uh, that means he's bad or something. We don't have to do that very modern thing of well, this person may have a good idea, but they're taken to extremes and therefore we can't trust them. Like we're um, or anything. Red faction guerrilla is like uh, yeah, no, that's actually bad that that the Earth occupying uh, force capitalist uh killed your brother and are doing all this stuff um you should probably go destroy them and you're like okay and then you spend the next 10 hours doing that. that's great the end it's something good about that just clear yeah there's no ambiguity and sometimes i mean and i'll maybe we'll end with this sometimes it's nice to not have any ambiguity sometimes it's nice to just say the right things are right and the wrong things are wrong yeah i'm kind of like maybe that's just where i'm at right now but, like, I'm like, no, it's cool. I would actually just prefer a lot of games that were like, uh, this is a killer shark game. You're going to go around and eat a bunch of people and, like, grow into a huge mutant shark killing machine. And that's bad as, and like, rad as hell. I almost said bad as hell. Like, it's the, oh, it was so bad. <laughs> yeah. But, like, um, oh, I got Will I said Smith rad as hell, like it was the 90s. But the, um, uh, and stuff. And we're also going to, you know, uh, talk about that. And it's not something that, like, um, is going to give you all the solutions or whatever. And we, we could also talk, I mean, you could get a marine biologist on here who was very angry about that this is not a game that does. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Take the image of a uh, image of sharks on, as it's, mindless it's, killing it's a, machines. It's a game that is also very clearly like, well, I, I, sharks are real violent, I guess. And like, it's it's yeah. it's, it's not being serious. I, I If I had any marine biologist who was actually offended by this, I don't, I don't know if we'd be able to have a very productive conversation. You should try it though. You should have. A I tried to have an epidemiologist like, on here, but no one, no one came. But someone wanted me to to do like a spread of virus in in video games versus real life, and I thought that was a great idea. But uh-huh. uh, turns out, uh, if you ask for an epidemiologist uh, in the middle of a pandemic, they're actually the ones who are busy. Video games are the violence, are the virus. That's the problem. We're the cure by beating video games. <laughs> that's true. Um, you have to delete them. <laughs> Get to delete them off. <laughs> I actually just uh, for for a podcast that I, I recorded but haven't released yet. Um, I uh, I played the Stanley P- uh, Parable with uh, with Liv, and um, mm-hmm. there's a there's an ending where you're just like oh um, uh, just like oh like you know turn off the game quickly Stanley it's the only way you'll win and I didn't do it and I was like huh I guess that's right it seems yeah. fine um, the uh, God. Of that whole era of meta games about games, I still think the Family Parable is still very funny. You know, it, it, it's it's very clever. I I I honestly found it funny uh, even playing yeah, it today. It is, it's still a pretty it funny game. Out. Well, it's just because it's like actually skillfully made. Yeah, and skillfully narrated as well. G- games about games are kind of boring. I feel like, but like the um uh or at least are kind of played. But the um. Uh, but the uh, but that that one I think is really good just as a game about joking about game design. Well, I mean, I I, uh, I appreciate that we talked about two games you like today. Next time we'll talk about a game you hate. Um, oh geez, see now that I make games, I'm really you know terrible. all these people. You can't say anything. Well, I not even that I don't know them. It's just that like I've made them and I know how like easy it is to fuck one up or something. But you know, if you want to do a Bioshock Infinite episode, oh, oh no, I'm gonna get you and Travis McElroy on here. Uh, oh. oh yeah, we're talking about how great that game is. Uh, yeah, he said that uh, it's very complicated. It's ambiguous. Uh huh. Is that what we're calling it? Um, uh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of ambiguous things happening in the country right now, Scott. They're um um. 
Um, yeah, I mean, Bioshock Infinite's fine. I, um, I, um, I've, I've, I've talked in the past elsewhere about my distaste for that game, but I don't feel as bad like disliking that game. Like that game sold as gazillion copies and stuff. I mostly feel bad for the people who made it, who basically get like you know, then we're all like laid off. <laughs> Similarly, <laughs> it was difficult, and I'm sure who a lot of them tried their best to. To, uh, and, and are aware yeah. of its shortcomings and all that. Like, um, as a yeah, that just not everyone's writing the script. Yeah, as a thing that just dropped out of the sky, I, I really um, have have a very very strong distaste for, for that game. That is will, is far more successful than anything I will ever make in my entire life. Um, well, successful in money is not the same as successful in in uh, approach. Yeah, in my heart. We uh, are just <laughs> successful, but yeah. In my heart, I know you're right. Yeah. Um, just like, uh, just like old. Uh, what's in, uh, oh, who's the who's the who's the guy that uh, that HRC uh, that 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 Clinton herself uh, voted gold uh, gold mm, Goldwater. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, Barry Goldwater. In in your heart, you know he's right. Hmm. Um, in my heart, I know your game is better. Yeah, thank um, you. I appreciate you're it. You're welcome. I yeah, no, of course. Uh, Scott, what are what are you doing these days? Where can people find your work? Uh, I don't even have like a portfolio site anymore because I'm just so out of that game. But like, mm. follow me at, at @bombsfall on Twitter. Um, Good follow. And, I, I assume most of you are, but if not, I, I, I I'm kind of a shoe in for your audience. I was on Street Fight recently, and it was like um, Tom, also from the Trobillies, he was there on the on the episode that I was on. Um, There's a mini series they're doing called Holy Boys about like evangelical or like just christian like mega pastors and stuff and oh cool talk about the fucking asshole who is mark driscoll but the um uh but and and tom was like i can't imagine anyone listening to the show doesn't know who you are but yeah i'm uh, bombs fall on twitter um i am a worker owner at a co-op called glory society and we're making a video game which maybe you'll hear something about sometime soonish maybe who knows Actually, depending on when you're listening to it, you may have heard about it already. If you're listening oh, to it in the future, in the, in the far future, you may have already played it and been like, oh, wow, I remember that game. <laughs> you're just like listening to this on some sort of device, like uh, you're an archaeologist and you found this somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and, like, oh. and there are, yes, that game was very important. It, uh, it, was, it preceded the Fourth World War. Yep, it was, it, but also solved it at the same time. <laughs> Brought world peace that very late 20th century notion that if we just get all the artists together to make the one song, it will save <laughs> It was far more successful than Bioshock Infinite, it turns out. Just, Ironic. Yeah. Ironic that he said this. Oddly enough. Um, <laughs> this game that Scott mentioned, even though he did not mention it by name, uh, that's the one that did it. Yeah, we know. Well, everyone knows what it is now. It has all the hallmarks. And it's everyone. It's your favorite game, probably. Um, it's... <laughs> Night in the Woods, that's out. Um, you can go find it on everything, basically. Uh, and um, uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm trying to think what else I'm on. Instagram? Where I post You're on Instagram? Okay, all right. I'm on Letterboxd. I'm on... I'm trying to think of anything else I'm on. That's, that's it. I, I'm actually not, I guess, as online as I think I am. Cause I was going to try to humorously list out all the sites I'm on, but... That's really, it's just mainly Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, go follow Scott on Letterboxd. <laughs> yes, please. Go read various <laughs> reviews of, of my, my, my jokes and my, my important takes. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, man. Well, uh, please come back soon, and uh, I guess we've already promised that you will. So, uh, yeah, and thank you for making me play Man Eater. This is like one of my favorite, if not my favorite, game of the year. So far. Like it, it, it's Kentucky or Zero Act Five, and then this for me, basically. I, I think that's right. Yeah, that's that's the order. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. I, that's at least the it's at least the list. There's a preview of our giant bomb list. Just two games. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you. Night. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.